Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast. We got a real quick uh, email to read before the episode. This is from Seymour Schmidt. Seymour says, Hi, Gregory. It is Seymour. Uh, He's the only one that calls me Gregory. Even my mother doesn't. It's kind of funny. Okay, so Seymour says, I was catching up on the podcast and wanted to talk about the previous few episodes especially the ones that were on songs from book. You had mentioned how the Linnell songs on the album were mostly that upbeat pop rock thing that Linnell does from time to time. When I first listened to the album, I was quite disappointed because I mainly dislike it when Linnell writes songs like that. They're rather boring to me, and it made half of the album sound exactly the same to me. I understand that there is much more to these songs and that most of the time they are a bit difficult to cover, but I lack that musical knowledge to be able to notice any of that. The individual parts may sound interesting and cool, but altogether it just sounds like a basic rock song. It made me think about a conversation I had with a friend where they said that Linnell's best stuff were the songs that he made for kids, which is something that I totally agree with. I feel like this goes with the idea that since it's for kids and it might be the first actual music that they hear outside of nursery rhymes, uh, then the band can pull from many different genres and introduce kids to a wide range of music for the time and help them develop their musical tastes. But with adults, they have already developed their musical tastes, so it makes me wonder if this is what we, the adult fans, are expecting of the band to do. Are we asking for more of these straightforward rock songs from this band that we tout as being weird, kooky, zany, and only for the ones who truly understand? Must we continue to toss aside any interesting and odd songs from our wacky beloved band? One other thing that I wanted to talk about was the episode of Four of Two. Listening to that episode made me think about how extremely good TMBG is at writing character songs and songs that tell a story. I often get an image in my head of someone performing as this character on stage and they're introducing themselves with this song or they're recalling an event that had happened to them through some sort of interpretive dance. I can easily imagine a short stage performance for both versions of 4 of 2. Also, I do agree with Gregory that they should start adding their kids' songs to their set lists. I think the adult fans should listen to their kids' songs more and forcing them to listen to the Vowel family live when they were expecting only adult songs is such a great idea. That's all I wanted to say for now. Keep up the good work. Thanks for writing, Seymour. A lot of uh, interesting stuff in there. Yeah, I could see how people listening to Book, and I heard this from other people, not just yourself, that say all the Linnell songs kind of sound the same. And yeah, they are mostly in that pop rock style that he excels at but there's very few weird things going on from Linnell and you really do have to dig deep into the details like you said in the composition and yeah put those kids songs in the set list 
There's so many great ones. Why can't you sprinkle a couple a couple into each set for those tours? Uh, yeah. I mean, especially with No now having his 20th anniversary. Put four of two into the set lists, boys. Yeah. Thanks for writing, Seymour. Anyone can write in at this might be a pod at Gmail. You can also leave a voicemail at 224-801-2930. That number again, 224-801-2930. Leave me a voicemail. Now, on to the episode. Okay. <laughs> All right. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I have the speed listening champion here for his first appearance. It's Ben Bird, and we're going to talk about yeah, yeah. That's what I say. I say yeah, yeah. Yo, yo, yo. Come on, come on. Now every evening, when all my day's work is through, I call my baby and ask her what we could do. I mentioned it. Doesn't seem to dig that And then she asked me Why don't I come to a flat And have some supper And let the evening pass by By playing records The sounds of groovy high-fi I say yeah, yeah That's what I say I say yeah, yeah My baby loves me She gets me feeling so fine And when she loves me She makes me know Hey, Ben Come on, come on, come on <laughs> Yo, yo, yo <laughs> I uh, oh I should have brought down my daughter's triangle then a little tink tink tink. <laughs> <laughs> I got plenty at school. But the only one we have here is in her little percussion bag. Uh, <laughs> how you doing? Uh, long answer. I'll just I'll, uh-huh. I'll go ahead and into it since we're talking about a song from Mink Car. Do you mind if I uh, have a little bit of wine? I mean, there's a song <laughs> drink. It's been a long Do it. week. Do it. Get your drink on. It's been a long week. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, we're we're you know, we're good. It's been a really uh, interesting week. Last Thursday, today is the thirty first, so the twenty fourth. And I know you you have a tight window on this. You like to keep these to like twenty minutes. So just indulge me here on the uh, <laughs> on the duration <laughs> of the story. I'm not timing any segments of this show. Go uh, just just go nuts. No, my my wife and I are out of town at a trial lawyers convention for me. I'm an attorney, uh, and we go we go up three and a half hours away, and we start getting calls Thursday morning. We got up there Wednesday night. School nurse is concerned. My daughter, uh, who's eight, our youngest child may have appendicitis, and as we get calls throughout the day, finally it turns out she does have appendicitis. We get back in the car, drive three and a half hours home able to see her right before she operates goes home the next day but, but uh, late saturday night sunday she's not feeling well yeah. goes goes back into the hospital come monday they after they do a ct scan on her they diagnose her with a uh, small bowel obstruction so she's got to have another surgery and Jeez. you i mean you've got two kids you know what it's like as a parent your your main job as a parent is to provide for protect and prepare them for what their life's going to be and in that situation you can't do any of it and we have an older child a son who's 13 who's great and we can talk about this specific kind of issue when we talk about why i got into they might be giants but you kind of feel like you're not there for one of your kids because he can't come into the hospital because he's not 18 and you know uh he's 
I mean, does it have to do with COVID restrictions? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. okay. COVID restrictions. So we're at the hospital. Because you're in Roanoke, right? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure how much they'd be clamping down in uh, that neck of the woods. It's a... so the hospital where we live in a neighborhood right next to the hospital, it's a level one trauma center. And mm-hmm. it's one of the few in the the Commonwealth, for those of you who are familiar with Virginia. So we'll just say state for everybody else. But <laughs> it's got a huge geographic referral base. It's got deep southwest Virginia, part of North Carolina into West Virginia. It gets a ton of people. And you got some real top flight doctors here, you know, back in, I think, 2012, when the fungal meningitis outbreak happened, this was one of the hot spots for it. Mm. And they're, they're very serious. They've got some very good infectious disease doctors and the hospital's got to take it very seriously. I mean, it's a huge, huge facility. It's a, again, it's a level one trauma center. So he can't come in. And as a parent, you're away from one of your kids. And, you know, I know he's 13. He's, he's more independent. My wife's sleeping at the hospital every night. I'm coming home late mm-hmm. at night trying to sleep here. I mean, we missed a lacrosse game for him. Uh, and I've got a law practice I'm trying to manage. It's just, and I'm making this a lot about me, but you're terrified for your kid and you're seeing her yeah. hurt. She's got a wound vac. Yeah. Fortunately, as of now, she's eating foods again. She had French fries today. She was ecstatic. She's getting All some right. sleep. But she, it's, it's horrible. You just see her sitting in a bed. You know, my, my wife's in graduate school right now and she's working full time mm. and you know, we're trying to manage, she's trying to manage kind of two jobs and being a mother. So that's three or three and a half jobs, probably yeah. up to four. Right. And it's just, it's difficult. So what's that line from a uh, Maverick? It had just been a shitty week. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's kind of how it's, it's yeah. been, but yeah, I'm sorry, man. That sucks. Yeah. It's, it's awful when something happens that like you yourself can't immediately take care of something serious like that for sure. And we've been lucky. I mean, I mean, right at the jump, uh, there was an issue. I mean, Zinnia came out all, all wound up. She decided to do a little twist right before her exit and, uh, came out and didn't cry. So our, our most terrifying medical thing with her was right off the right away. And so, yeah, I mean, luckily there were actually extra hands on deck already because of the, um, frick, what is, what's it called? When the, when, when the baby craps in the womb with, you know, and they're worried about infection, what do they call it? Um, I can't remember the term. Um, but yeah, so they already had extra nurses there to like do the suction and all that kind of stuff, like to get, to make sure there wasn't an infection. So when she came out all wound up and like, I mean, she wasn't like blue or anything, but she uh, didn't cry right away. And, you know, th- and so like I didn't get to cut the core. They're just like, they're like, shit, like, sorry, dad. And they just hand her off. They just snip it and they hand her off and do us. And eventually, you know, like it wasn't, it was like the longest like minute <laughs> of our lives there. Like she finally cries and, you know, she spent uh, a couple nights in the NICU and, and then, you know, we finally got to take her home, but it was very stressful. Um, Ramona's birth, no problem. Um, I mean, you know, no issues and, uh, you know, everything's fine. I mean, Zinnia wears, I mean, the worst thing is that she had to wear, uh, braces on her ankles for a little while, but like no, no big injuries yet. No hospital injuries. So I, I, you know, past the birth there, we haven't really had to rush to the hospital for anything. So it's gotta be just terrifying. Cause it's like, 
you know, you're trying to console them, you're trying to care for them, but there's not that much that you personally can do not being a doctor or a surgeon, you know. Well, you're putting yeah. your kid in someone else's hands and it's a lot of anxiety. Yeah, and it's um it's kind of strange cuz you know what you're saying, it's particularly hard on the moms. Our son was 6 weeks premature and he stayed in the hospital for 7 weeks and you know, you're talking about not getting to cut the cord when she when we took her we thought maybe her water broke suddenly. We I took mm-hmm. my wife in and they were concerned about an infection. So they said, well, we're going to admit her. She's going to be here for the foreseeable future, but nothing's going to happen tonight. And it's like midnight or something like that. And her mom's coming up to help. So I just said, well, I got to go home and get a couple of things, take care of the house, let the yeah. dog out. You know, so I'm mm-hmm. gone for maybe 30, 45 minutes. I come back and he's born. I mean, it was, <laughs> Crate. Like I'm walking down the hall carrying like a bunch of water because the water was out at the hospital, which was they were having some maintenance issue. Yeah, right. That's exactly. Not good. Whoa. Right. And Jesus. and this nurse just says, "Are you Mr. Bird?" And I said, "Yes." And she says, "Would you like to come see your son?" And oh, what? You know, are you talking to me? Are you sure I'm the right guy? And I was so, not informed. Yeah, <laughs> this but was happening. You know, he had an NG tube to get feedings for a long okay. time, and then my daughter mm. had to get an NG tube. And I can tell with my wife, just being in the hospital is hard for her because she relives all that. And now, and then seeing our daughter have the NG tube, it's just mm. uh, it's been mm. it's been tough. And you know, you get frustrated yeah. telling the same healthcare provider the same thing again and again and again about why your daughter's here, and like it reached for me a boiling point with the anesthesiologist who looked like. And I'm sure he's a fine doctor, but he looked like, and we're like, you know, running on fumes at that point on Monday. Mm-hmm. He looks like some guy that they found at a Nintendo convention for virgins. And it's just, <laughs> I was just kind of like, do I really have to tell you that look in the hospital chart, put down your paper notes, go to a computer terminal. But before I just snapped and said, look at your computer screen. I took a deep breath and rolled my eyes and just said, okay. Was he really young or what? <laughs> I'm trying to gather what he looked like just from that description. My was wife he like said, so young? You're like, I don't know about this guy. I ha- no, I have no idea. I mean, he, he looked kind of young. And again, I'm sure he's a fine doctor. I'm, I'm sure, you know, he's primarily supervising. So it's funny what you said about not being able to do anything. I'm a uh, personal injury and medical malpractice attorney. So, so you know about medicine and what can go wrong like when you hear the word bowel obstruction it's like Mm. okay well let's take her back right and so i don't know but uh the conversations change a lot when they're like oh you're an attorney okay um (laughs) the er nurse we'll actually do our best this time (laughs) yeah right no the er nurse was given zofran to my daughter uh when we came in sunday uh, because she had been vomiting and my wife looked at me and I said, Zofran's an anti-nausea medication. It's totally standard. Don't worry about it. And mm-hmm. um, and the nurse looks up at me and she says, you seem to know a lot about medicine. What do you do for a living? And I just looked at her and I said, I'm a malpractice attorney. <laughs> but the, uh, the anesthesiologist, I'm sure, again, I'm sure he's a great doctor. He looked really young. My wife said he had a punchable face. I don't know. <laughs> just... <laughs> I love that expression. It's good. Yeah. Him and Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Very punchable. Uh, yeah. Kara's Car- go-to, though. I remember we were... I, I shan't name any names. 
some some bridges have been repaired in this regard but there was a band that we were the rhythm section for in like the late aughts the rhythm section one ad exactly we we filled that ad no um, others needed to apply that's when cars started playing bass and um so we did an ep with that band i mean it sounds great it's uh it's you know so proud of it um and then we went on the east coast tour um didn't end up playing virginia we did play a couple shows in dc um and yeah all the way on the way there and the way back and it was only like a i don't know i think it was even just shy of two weeks but by (laughs) by the end of it it had gone so poorly mostly between the two other members of the band bickering and a bunch of shit that happened um car is like i'm gonna finish the tour because I love you, and I know you put a lot of work into this. But once we get home, I'm I'm done with this. And she's just like, she's like, I just hate his face. (laughs) 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 And it reminds me of a Flans quote, actually. I think it's in Gigantic, right, where he says um, (laughs) something about being in a band with people, and I, I think he was talking about just like the duo era, respectively. It's like. You know, sometimes you just get to the point where, you know, just you, you just resent the way the other guy breathes, <laughs> and, and like, wait, you, you don't like the way I breathe? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. if Flames was saying that was a little. I don't know. One of them, he was basically re- doing the conversation by himself. Uh, the law, the law practice could be the same way, even with people that you respect and like a lot. Things get tense, and you yeah. get tired, and you know, just you're like, if you if you take one more bite of that sandwich, I'm gonna. <laughs> snap you know do you, man we are we are so far away from the mop giants but do you know the band pup that is not ringing a bell they are the best punk band going right now they've got a new album coming out tomorrow which would be april 1st so good just like ticks every box for me they got heavy parts screaming parts super melodic parts quiet parts with cool guitar effects all of this but they have a, a the first song on their second album is called "If This Tour Doesn't Kill You, Then I Will," <laughs> and it's just it's the best. And if you look at the music video, especially like they, it's a good budget music video. It's most of they have the best best videos of any modern band. The, there is they all murder each other by the end. <laughs> There's a huge brawl in the thing, and it's uh, it's fantastic. But it's uh, it's tough being a tour man, and and, and again, I mean, to to finally long windedly segue it into to the MIP Giants again is that they're in their fourth decade as a band. That's pretty. That's incredible. amazing. When they were at Mink Car, when they made Gigantic, that was twenty years in. They've doubled that. We needed a Gigantic Part Two. Yeah, that's right. Crazy. That was the halfway point. So, should we finally tell people your, your fandom story? Well, why are we talking about uh, They Might Be Giants? I thought this was the Adamant versus XTC comparative podcast. Am I no, in the wrong is, place? This is, this is a Simpsons podcast. <laughs> oh, well, good. Simpsons then and Futurama. We're definitely in the right place. No. Uh, <laughs> Simpsons. Uh, no. Uh, they Might Be Giants. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It's been a long week, man. It is, it's been a long, it's been a long they, several days. They Might Be Simpsons. Right. So they might be in the Futurama world. No. Uh, well, first, before I get into that, and I know I hope I have time for this, I don't want to extend the interview out very long. I know 
you keep a tight ship on this one on episode lengths. <laughs> I know you're being sarcastic. I'm sure. <laughs> right. Uh, but I appreciate you doing this because it got me kind of back into, they might be giants and, and I can talk a little bit more about this later, but I hadn't really been listening to them as much uh, for a while. And you've exposed me to a lot of good songs. Icky recently, which I called in for yeah. from the Catholic or called in about from the Catholic faith game. God bless Google <laughs> Translate, Google Voice, right? Yeah, I'll um, tweet out that, that, that screenshot of this. <laughs> now, Ampersand, Thunderbird, <laughs> the rock version of Black Ops, man. That's fantastic. And the video yeah. for We Live in a Dump, I love it. Yep. I'm Your Boyfriend Now is just a tremendous song. Communists have the music. I'd heard Can't Keep Johnny Down before. I think they did that on the NPR Tiny Desk concert. They did. Mm-hmm. And so I was familiar with that one, but I've really gotten into it. So I, I appreciate that. That uh, was where I learned, and I believe we played that clip. That's where I learned that the beginning was the, a keyboard and not a very uh, reverby guitar. I thought it was like reverb, delay pedal stuff. I mean, you can do so much with a guitar and so much with a keyboard that there's some stuff. It's just hard to tell. I'm like, oh, that's Linnell doing that. I thought it was Miller doing some crazy arpeggios. Right. No, no. But it's a I mean, it's a fantastic song. But uh, how I got into They Might Be Giants, you probably never heard of this before. But there was this cartoon, a couple no. of cartoons that were done. <laughs> now, Stop the story. Right. I'm sick of this story. No, no. I don't. So I don't remember exactly what it was that got me into them. But I remember being aware of them from the cartoons. Right. Mm-hmm. And so. Uh, when I was in junior high, where I went to school, we still had a junior high. I was the um, yep, same. last last graduating class, R.C. Edwards Junior High. Boom. How about it? So Go fighting. Whatever. Hellfish? No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. It's really sad. But that's, you don't remember your school's mascot? You know how long ago that was? And do you know how many cases I've tried and how much stuff I've had to learn and then forget about? And well, then I, get ready for I, the I, next I, trial? <laughs> I, you know, I, I, you know, especially with junior high, I wouldn't blame you, but for mine, I remember for a couple of good reasons. Okay. It was, uh, Thomas, uh, I believe maybe we were the first year to graduate being called a middle school, but it was, uh, the Thomas Trojans. Wow. Yeah. Kids, you're not going to forget that. Yeah. that. Yes. Kids, you know, uh, they changed the fight song. Well, it was, I mean, it was so convenient. It was on get up Trojans, and fight. On, get no, up on, and fight. No, no, no. It was on you Trojans, on you Trojans. So it just turned into put on your Trojans, right. put on your Trojans. <laughs> and so, I mean, it got to the point where they, before we graduated, they, uh, we had nominations and a vote to change the mascot. And we became the Thomas Timberwolves by the time I graduated. And uh, a couple kids who were good friends of mine uh, actually designed the logo that I believe stands to this day. That's cool. So that's why I, that's why I remember this. That's why I remember. She and then I, I I went to Buffalo Grove High School. So guess what the mascot was for Buffalo Grove High School? <laughs> I'm gonna guess it's probably not okay now. <laughs> it's uh it's it's the fighting the fighting Johns. No, the, 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 yeah, the Buffalo Grove Bison. They didn't have to think too much about that one. All right. Well, it should have been uh, your your middle school should have been changed to the Rabid Children. That would have fit. Or and the chess team could be the chess piece faces, right? So, yeah, <laughs> I checked it up though. Uh, apparently, uh, R.C. Edwards Junior High were the Panthers, 
So <laughs> real original. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who Which, are we? The Wildcats. Who are, who are we going to beat? The Wildcats. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember the high school is the Lions. I remember that. Okay. <laughs> so, but anyway, so somewhere around junior high to high school, I am a middle child. I'm an older brother and a younger sister. And uh, being a middle child, your identity, I think, is determined in large part relationally to other people. So you're not Ben Bird. You are, oh, you're Will's brother or you are mm-hmm. uh, Abby's brother, you know, or just something that you're defined not by you as a person. You're defined really by you in relation to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying anything critical about any of my siblings, but at some point you kind of want to become who you are and do more to really carve out your own niche, your own identity. And part of that is identifying your own music, right? Music that you want. And I remember as I was trying to uh, cultivate my own identity, perhaps you'll say, I wisely went to the younger listeners. There were these things called record stores. You would go mm-hmm. and you'd, you'd meet people in person. You'd talk to them, and they would give you advice and suggestions. I went to the one my Instead brother worked at. Instead of from at. an algorithm exactly. generated a playlist for you that morning. Right. So I went to Manifest Disc and Tapes in Clemson, South Carolina, and I went there because my brother worked there, and he let me use his employee discount. Uh, so a little hypocritical on my part. Agreed. <laughs> but uh, – you know, I, I I bought you know a bunch of bunch of CDs. Uh, again, younger listeners, these discs that you would get, you know, that you'd put in, <laughs> listen to. Yeah, you know, there are also these tapes. These things called tapes. All right, cassettes, baby. Yeah, and I still uh, got a dual deck and a five disc CD changer of my component system. <laughs> they still work. Why would I get rid of them? That's right. Well, we can talk about how my dad had a Betamax forever later on. Nice. And when yeah. someone broke in and stole it, they said, oh, no, beta, right? But <laughs> right. Oh, no. <laughs> and then they said, she needs premium, dude. <laughs> premium! <laughs> we should keep a tally on how many uh, I have a lot. quotes I have a, are in this lot. episode. <laughs> but, no, so I like They Might Be Gentle. There were two bands in particular that I really got into from that era. Squirrel Nut Zippers was one of them. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's kind of hung with me a lot because I listen to a lot of old time. I play old time music, and we can talk about that later. And when I say play, play in the loosest, strictest dictionary sense of the word, right? <laughs> Not like Greg plays music. I play music. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so okay, <laughs> uh, so uh, but they were a band that I really liked, and they might be giants was a band that really appealed to me. And they appealed to me, I think, for a couple of reasons. One, and I think you had a guy on your podcast in one episode, maybe who was in one of your bands, who ragged on this show, uh, The Adventures of Pete and Pete, uh, which was Oh, a sh- who would that have been? I don't know, but... I mean, I, obviously, you're not talking about Carl. She's been on, but I've had... I had Joe on the Dirt Bike episode. I had Andy on the Call You Mom episode. And I had both Tim and Johnny from Doppelpopolis on the When Will You Die episode. I, I think that was it, and I have to apologize. I plan to re-listen to that to check it, but again, I've you know been ah, a little busy. Yeah. So, plus you can't even connect to Gmail at this hospital's Wi-Fi. It's crazy. I mean, they block everything. It? Block what? Twitter. <laughs> what? Anyway, I mean, I guess I can understand the social media, but blocking a Google-related service. 
that's what everyone uses. I mean, Gmail has got to be the most used email in the world at this point. I know Microsoft tries to retain some people through business accounts and stuff like that, but that's odd. Yeah. So, but anyway, one of them I think said something kind of negative about that show, but I love the adventures of Pete and Pete. It was a show for those of you who haven't seen it about two brothers with the same name. They lived in this kind of strange, unusual town where all these kind of weird things would happen. And we probably wouldn't look at this fondly today, but one of the <laughs> little Pete, the younger brother had a, his own personal superhero who was an adult who wore tights and he called himself already the strongest man in the world and just followed all the kids around again. Now <laughs> that probably would be frowned upon, but it was the eighties. <laughs> it was a different time, right? Eighties, nineties, things were different. Right. And so that was kind of a weird show. And also a show that I really grew up watching was uh, the original Muppet show. And that show sure. is just weird. That show is, I mean, oh, they're throwing yeah. penguins around, Right. And when you're starting to listen to music, the wonderful kind of weird that you would get before people got so sensitive. I don't, I don't mean in like the, the PC, I'm an old guy and PC police. I mean, people start like, well, just like everything. I mean, even like the, the Disneyfication of everything where everything became very safe and happy endings and all this, where back in the day, even kids shows, I mean, way back in the day, nurse, you know, nursery rhymes and folk stories and stuff shit ended badly all the time to teach you a lesson now the muppet show wasn't like that but it was bizarre to the point where people would probably think that it would scare children but like did it scare you i thought it was pretty awesome no i I thought it was very entertaining very funny you know manamana uh pigs in space the statler and waldorf which is pretty much my style of humor i mean oh yeah sam eagle right i mean yeah it's a no it's i mean it's 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 but it's a very weird unusual show and so when you start listening to a band that plays songs about digging up what belgian expressionist or impressionist painters uh meet james Mm -hmm. enzer you know dig him up and shake his hand appreciate the man and you hear songs like about writer's block like number three that's one of my favorite of their songs and Mm. they got lost another spider uh 32 footsteps yeah you like the weird ones well no i'm just saying those weird songs kind of appeal to you right oh Uh, yeah yeah she thinks she's Edith Head. It was like a famous Hollywood. Um, uh, what was it? She did all the uh, clothing and and yeah, costume, wardrobe. fashion, design stuff. Yeah, or, yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, so so with that background, you can kind of see why a band that's so weird would kind of appeal to you, right? And so mm-hmm. they just became kind of a natural fit for me. And I, you know, for people who aren't really as into the weird stuff, they have some really great, you know, love songs. Some songs that kind of transcend a little bit of genres. Um, and especially like listening to I'm your boyfriend now in the context of what we've seen with like the me too era and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, we could talk about the recent Supreme court confirmation hearings about how many times the, uh, black female candidate got interrupted and talked over and her record misrepresented, mm-hmm. you know, those are things that really make you think. And, you know, for example, I was talking to a lot of doctors and almost all of them who've been caring for my daughter have been female. And I would sometimes interrupt them. And then I, having read a lot of the commentary about those hearings, I would, I would say, I'm sorry, I was not trying to interrupt you. I'm not trying to talk over you. I thought you were finished. Please continue. You know? And if, if you haven't come away from those hearings with kind of a thought about maybe how you interact with people, 
particularly mm-hmm. people of the opposite sex. If you're a man, you know, that's something that you ought to, you know, consider. But again, we're, we're far afield from, you know, what, uh, well, I, I, think I know you like any, to stay anything, on track. You like always. to stay on track. If and, anything, again, to make a very wide turn in a, a segue fashion would be just, you know, if anything ever gets political on this show, we just be like, hey, I've never had any complaints about talking about politics because we talk, it always goes to the left and the Johns are very far left. Flans is always saying stuff on Twitter that's very uh, liberal. So I don't think people should be surprised. I think it would be a lot more surprising if uh, a bunch of right wingers started the MIP Giants podcast. <laughs> that would be odd. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's pretty much how I got into the They Might Be Giants. It was just kind of formative years of music, and it's always, you know, I saw them live twice down in Charleston, which was cool. What uh, what years are we talking? I need to go back and look. I think they might have both been two thousand one. I think they played. Isn't there? There's a website where you can check right to see where they played. Yeah, it's called. It's it's something like the name of this podcast. It's it's this might be uh wiki, that's what it is. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's got every show they've played yeah yeah at, for example. Uh so were so you saw them twice on the Mink Car tour? No, I think I saw or them before it came out. I I saw them right before and I think it was okay. maybe right after um and the first time I saw them, and this this may surprise you to hear this, but people who listen to I don't know what you want to call them, like nerd rock or whatever, but people who listen to They Might Be Giants aren't necessarily known as the as the hippest cats in the world. Sometimes I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> We're the coolest. My so, mom says I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> My cat's breath smells like cat food. I bet my Wookiee. Yeah, my, the no. doctor said I wouldn't have so many nosebleeds if I kept my finger out of there. Why do people run away from me? Um, <laughs> so we, uh, no, the first time I went to see him, it was spring of 2001. It was a happy time. It was, it was before, you know, all the bad stuff, right? And uh, <laughs> Nothing bad had ever happened right. in the world. No, but. Sure. Uh, Pre-9-11, yes. Right, exactly. So I went there and. I knew the guy at the door from, I think, my sociology class. And Mm. I was either 18 or 19. And uh, no, I was 19. And so I couldn't buy This may not appeal to you because you're probably smart enough to not drink, unlike the rest of us saps. But yes, I've never drank, but I'm married to someone who drinks. I've I've been in the rock scene enough that I'm not offended by any drug use. Right. No, but so uh, the guy at the door recognized me from the class and he marked my hand so I could buy the beer for, you know, my friends who would come with me. So that was kind of a, that was cool. Right. And they put on a great show, man. They were fun. Uh, really enjoyed watching them. And then they came back. It was a place called the Music Farm down in Charleston, South Carolina, which is a great venue. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw Hank Williams the third there as well. And uh, sweet. Bocephus yeah. Jr. Uh, does he have a cool nickname? <laughs> now, Hank 3, when he got into his metal set, my wife and I left. We were. Okay. <laughs> it's not my style of music. Other people like it, and it's fine. But no, the second time I came back, went with my uh, then girlfriend, now wife, and uh, it was great. It was a great show. Enjoyed seeing them both times. I think Linnell was sick the second time, like he had a sinus infection or something. But Flansburg came mm. down, was very interactive with everybody, and, you know, was 
really, you know, making connections with people. Although you said that Linnell's probably got back problems from carrying around the. Uh, it's just a hypothesis, but he right. does seem to be more hunched over than he used to be. What was the name of the venue again? Uh, the Music Farm, Charleston, South Carolina. I'm trying to find that day for you. Okay, uh, Music Farm, it was uh, March 19th. That sounds right. A long time ago. But you saw them twice? Saw them twice. Right. Yeah. Cause they, so they played the ones that, where was the other place you saw them? Same place. But later yeah. in the year? Yeah. yeah, they played that same venue twice in a year. I believe so, but my memory is not what it once was, assuming it was ever good. <laughs> huh, they did make their way to the Midwest and then back and then to the UK, man, they were all over and I think the other one must have been a different year, but it, it could have been matter. Yeah, no, it could have been. I don't remember. Uh, they played the point. music farm again just just about a year later, March 31st. Hey, uh, yeah, 20 years ago today, you saw them, March 31st, 2002, at the Music Farm in Charleston. Yeah, so that's what Look I was that. doing. Now we know what I was doing that day. Mystery solved. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is an investigative podcast. That's right. It's a true crime. We are answering important questions. questions. What was yep. Ben Bird doing 20 years ago today? <laughs> and and that's how we got you off the hook for the Starved Rock Murders. Sorry, that's, that's the one I'm listening to right now. I don't know. That's where... I saw the HBO series. Which one? Starved Rock is a state park in Illinois, and they just came out with a really well-done uh, like three-part docuseries on HBO Max. Um, I think it's just called The Starved Rock Murders. But the lawyer who's repre- who represented this guy, who was the longest jailed inmate in the history of, of Illinois... He was in jail for 60 years, and there was no physical evidence at all. It's very crazy. Well, the 1970s he, he, were an unusual time. This was this was 1960, and he just got out two years ago. Mm. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's a phrase for that. What is it called? Miscarriage of something. <laughs> well, you know, the, uh, uh, the good thing, well, maybe he just looked like Steve Sachs, and he had a run-in with the law, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that could have been it. Or he's like, man, he didn't shave his sideburns and they just had to get rid of him. People who don't watch The Simpsons are going to listen to this and say, <laughs> what are these idiots talking about? I, mean, I think I set it up pretty early on. Wasn't I? I mean, I was even going to the trouble of dropping in clips sometimes of me and a friend. Because I was talking to so many, like, my real life friends. Um, I mean, not that I don't consider people through the show. I've made through the show friends. But people I knew in real life before the show even aired, they might be Giants fans, and we were always just around the same age. Some of us grew up together, and we just talked in half Simpsons quotes. So it would just like come up so much. I think pretty early on in the life of the show, people knew to expect Simpsons quotes and Futurama quotes. Uh, yeah, so deal with it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. that reminds me, and again, yeah. we're all over the place here, so I apologize, but... Are you ki- do your kids still like <laughs> I want my hat back the book? <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah. Yes, I yes, I, you sent a gift early on in the your fandom of the show and that was that was very sweet. Yazinia um yeah, she thinks it's it's more hilarious now that she's I mean grow so much in a year or whenever that was you sent that um yeah, she thinks it's pretty hysterical now. She was hot on it and then off it and then back on it, you know how kids are. For those of you who have young kids, 
go buy I Want My Hat Back. It is a fantastic <laughs> children's book. There are two types of people in the world. People who like that book and people who don't. And the cool ones like the book and also listen to this podcast. You know, it's that kind of thing I was already talking about where, like, uh, the ending, I mean, it's a kid's book, so there's no real details about it. But, I mean, spoiler alert, the bear eats the rabbit, you know, and, and you know, it's it's alluded to, I suppose, in a very obvious way. Um, you know, it's like the old Cinderella, you know, it's not, you know, got Disney-fied, you know, the old Cinderella, the stepsisters cut off their toes to fit in the glass slipper, like this stuff, this is, you know, stories that were told to kids, you used to be able to uh, kill things off and maim things. Well, you know, you learn in Pulp Fiction, (laughs) you don't key a man's car, and you learn from I Want My Hat Back, you don't steal a bear's hat. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, it's a very, very important lesson, especially if you are smaller than the bear. (laughs) <laughs> right. <laughs> so as as a fan, uh you did waver a little bit or at least you didn't uh maybe not waver in your fandom, but you said that you kind of cooled off on them or you didn't keep up with the newer stuff. How would you describe that exactly? How did this miscarriage of justice occur? <laughs> so I'm going to to brace myself for your onslaught that's going to be forthcoming. I'm going to go for round 2 here on the Nice glass. Well, of let's get some nice Pino. audio there. Yeah. Let's hear it. Going, going for round two yes. on this nice glass of Pinot uh, before you uh, verbally uh, batter me. <laughs> oh, there's no, 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 there's no physical contact, so it's not a, it's not an. As a lawyer, I hate people misusing the term assault and battery. An assault, mm-hmm. FYI, is the reasonable apprehension of imminent body bodily harm. It does not require a battery. A battery is unwanted touching. So those mm. are two different things, and okay. people get it wrong, it bothers me. Anyway, so actually, um, the reason that I wavered a little bit, and when I say this, I I mean, look, I'm not going to dog a, an album or an artist's work. I mean, they, they've put something out that millions of people have loved and paid a lot of money to purchase, go listen to, go see. I've seen them live twice, but... Mink Carr didn't really do it for me as an album. And okay, this is, I, I don't know if we've chatted about this in the Twitter DMs before, but <laughs> you know, when someone picks a song from Mink Carr, usually I don't think I have to have this fight. No, <laughs> no. Well, let, so let me explain. I'll explain why I picked this song too. Sure. These, these two kind of tying together. I kind of felt like I was making myself like the album, right? And I just, it didn't, I think some people have said this would have been better maybe as a collection of B-sides as a pearl, as opposed to a full-length kind of album. And I also think their selection of which track to promote from this was wrong. I don't think Man It's So Loud in Here really was the right choice. But again, John mm. and John, to the extent you care about my opinion, which why would you, right? I mean, there's no reason for you to care about my opinion. So keep in mind... Unless they get injured in Virginia... Right. Yeah. Have you been hurt in the greater Southwest Virginia area? <laughs> Call Klondike Five. No. So, um, no. I, Call one eight hundred Loyorb. Right. 
The B is for bargain. What country is this car from? (laughs) No longer exists. Right. That's actually what I thought of about the anesthesiologist. I was so burnt out. I was like, on your best day, you look like a guy who went to medical school (laughs) from a country that no longer exists. Right. Or what about Hollywood upstairs medical? (laughs) Exactly. No, it was it was like Lionel Hunt. Uh, with all due respect, <laughs> Mrs. Simpson, you're not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. The only person in this room who even comes close is this man. No, um, no but so uh, Mink Car just didn't do it for me. I, I wasn't just crazy about the album. And shortly after that, you know, my wife and I are both pretty frugal. So we didn't really buy a whole lot of uh, unnecessary things. And we didn't buy a whole lot of CDs. And what I really was kind of getting into right around that time was Tom Waits and Johnny Cash. Mm. And those were two guys that I really liked, uh, two musicians that I really liked. And I started to really get into kind of more of an acoustic sound. And I was getting more into bluegrass and everything. So then I went up to law school in 05 and we got rid of a lot of stuff. And we were trying, again, some of you may know this, but when you're in, when you're in you know this, when you are in a graduate doctoral level program you are lacking one thing money <laughs> you oh my yes <laughs> you are lacking and also when you're a public teacher you're lacking money so it's the perfect storm exactly my my father uh was a high school teacher my mother was an elementary school librarian my grandmother my maternal grandmother was a uh was a i think uh i can't remember what grade teacher she was but anyway I, yeah right so you have you're missing a lot of key things when you are trying to become a lawyer free time and money Mm -hmm. and to really Mm -hmm. enjoy a lot of music sometimes you have to purchase it and then you know pandora came out all the streaming services came out you may not believe this but youtube didn't have ads for a period of time Mm -hmm. hard for you all to believe that but it's true did they did they have ads pre-google scooping them up I don't or know. Was but that a Google thing? I, uh, it's been a while. I'm not sure, but there was a time where it was ad free, and we call that heaven. <laughs> and it's gone now. But it's pretty great at school. The way the internet is set up, whatever they've got it. It's it's all ad free at school. So like when you're showing kids something, you don't have to watch a that's, commercial that's a, for deodorant or something beforehand or whatever. That's a massive perk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying they shouldn't pay you more, but that might kind of sort of make up for it at times. Just you have to live <laughs> at the school and only use their internet, right? I do have my, my prep periods on most uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I'll be researching the episode for Thursday. No. So I can I can find those the live footage, can find those covers ad free. Yeah. No, but that was, I mean, that was kind of what got me a little bit away from They Might Be Giants, but um, I always liked them, and I remember, um, what is it, uh, Your Head's on Fire. That was one that I was aware of that I – one of my favorites, and my daughter loves the video, like that one. She, yeah. She really With loves the it. food, the meat. Yeah. Um, but why I chose Yeah, Yeah was that was – well, a couple of reasons. One, um, a, lo- a lot of my favorite songs had already long been taken, I'm sure. But there were two yep. – there were two tracks left from Mink Car. And yeah, yeah, it was always one of my favorite tracks from that album. I always liked it. I always enjoyed listening to it. Whenever it came on, I wouldn't skip past it. It just, it always puts you in a good mood. And it just mm-hmm. kind of, it's, it's a song that you can't skip by. It's just a fun tune to listen to. 
there was another one that was there still. I don't know if it's still there or not. That may not quite provoke that response from me when I'm listening to it on Mink Car. Uh, Finished with Lies is still open. Is that the one you're referring to? Um, I will plead the fifth, but I will not deny the accuracy of that uh, that one. Uh, you're keeping yourself from lying, I think, because you're, you're finished with lies and you're telling the truth. I love that song. I just love the phrasing and the... It's like, now I'm telling the truth. I'm finished with lies. If you don't believe me, you'll never believe me. Yeah. No, I mean, we we could... If you're kind enough to have me back, we could have a conversation about that one. But We'll see. We'll get the audience feedback. <laughs> like that when yeah, the Simpsons were on that the, game show. We gotta, we gotta wait for the data to come in. Right. Ralph Wiggum will just be turning that knob. <laughs> the leprechaun tells him to burn things. And right. uh, <laughs> the one kid really seemed to like the Speedo guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but the Mink Car was the last album of theirs that I bought. And so when I saw that there were a couple of songs left from Mink Car, and yeah, yeah, it was one that I always liked, I said, let's do this one. Let's do this one. This would be a great song to talk about and i i really enjoy it uh and it's 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 multi-layered i think it's got kind of a little bit of what makes they might be giants unique and we can get more into that when we get into the song if we get into the song but they might need to be part two (laughs) right right, the great yeah yeah debate right but (laughs) no so that's that's kind of how i fell out of listening to they might be giants regularly my musical taste kind of changed some and mm-hmm. sure. you know, you and I have talked about bands like Lagwagon. I really got into them for a while. I mean, you know, how can yeah. you not dig that band, right? And I listened to Oh yeah. I best, almost best wore my band. Yeah, no, I almost wore my trampled by turtles shirt today, but I figured that would be wrong <laughs> since I'm on a They Might Be Giants podcast. But that was another band that <laughs> really, really got into. So that but that's but yeah, this has got me back into them and I'm listening to a lot of great songs and awesome. I got exposed to songs I hadn't heard before and I appreciate you doing that. I appreciate you ignoring your family and just being kind of viewed as the weird man who lives down in the basement and talks about they might be giants. The reason I do them Thursday nights, cars at tennis, kids are already sleeping. It's all good. Hey, and buy her yeah. book, people, by the way. It's a great read. Yeah. <laughs> Cara is still so just flabbergasted that someone who is not in the field read her book i i mean i'm always ribbing her about it you know shooting up to the top of the bestseller list but like you know those academic you know stuff that that professors write it's uh it's not meant to fly off the shelves but if like some other college professor decides it should be on their required reading list boom then comes that sweet sweet coin and i say coin because it would be less than a dollar so in <laughs> in law school we had to read our professors' written textbooks. Which of course, there's a word for that. And I again, I don't know if I should swear on this podcast because one day you're going to get a Please call do. into a well, I will. But you, you're going to get a call into your principal's office and, and it's going to say, uh, <laughs> "Little Johnny's parents are uh, really concerned. He started using uh, the word bullshit, uh, and he was asked where he heard it, and he said, Mr. Greg's podcast.'" <laughs> And then you'll say, sorry, I got to shut down my podcast. My damn wiener kids are listening. <laughs> They're the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Yeah, no. Uh, hey, we got the explicit logo that 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 
solves all problems as long as you tell them you're going to swear. Right. Swear it up, baby. No, in law school, we had to, it was, I mean, it was bullshit. We had to buy all our professors. And don't get me wrong. I'm very involved with my law school. It's a great law school. Uh, we've got a fantastic alumni base. And if you're thinking about going to law school, if you can handle living in a small town, it's the place to go. Uh, and we're, we're super loyal as alums. We always look out for recent graduates and, and longstanding alums. But it always bothered me when I had to fork over a lot of money that I did not have to make the professor who is living living well, living well, the professor was living well, and <laughs> have him live even slightly more well. That's terrible grammar, but whatever. It, you, you get the point. It's hard to say how much they're actually making off of each book because I guess it depends on the publisher. But um, yeah, I mean, Cara, yeah, she doesn't assign her um, book to any of her classes. And I mean, I suppose it is, I mean, it's most people would consider it pretty dense and uh, heavy stuff. Um, I know you, you <laughs> read it on a vacation, which is hilarious. Well, we were in the, think. we were in the, we went down to a resort in the Dominican Republic and I was reading it there and it was a great book. And, and you saw a lot of the issues that are in the book playing out mm-hmm. and, and, in that society there. Um, and we had a great time there, but you know, the, the one thing, and I listen to a lot of history podcasts and the sad thing about reading any sort of history is you realize people are just assholes, man. I mean, you, you oh, just, yeah, since the beginning of time up till today. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you see a lot of, of just a lot of the issues that we still struggle with as a country, as a, as a culture, as a society today, that have been around for a long time. And it was fascinating to read that book, particularly while I was in a foreign country. So I enjoyed it. Holy Every- shit. I just looked it up again. Yeah. It, so yes, if you search um, Cara Canale, she's, she's the only person in this country with that name. So that'll <laughs> come up with it. But uh, it's true. That's spelling. If you spell it right, uh, forgotten futures, colonized pasts, Transnational collaboration in 19th century Greater Mexico. There's, it's a lot about race issues in um, Latin America. I mean, a lot of what what she studies is, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of Chicano literature, and so Mexican Mexican American literature, and yeah, a lot of her work has been focused on uh, race issues and like the issue of whiteness, and even within you know, Hispanic cultures, there are you know people with different shades of skin, and that has. Uh, affected people's views of each other since the beginning of time. Um, but I just looked and it's, uh, it's available on the Kindle for a reasonable, uh, $33 and 20 cents, which well worth it. Text. Well worth it. Good. Did you, did you buy it? A physical copy that you bought, you bought the book. I did. I don't, I have a Barnes and Noble reader, but I don't use mm-hmm. readers anymore because you don't actually own the books that you purchase on them. Yeah, they could they could disappear if something exactly. Well, the 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 paperback is also reasonable at thirty seven seventy two, but the hardcover one hundred and ninety dollars. I don't know when that happened. You know, treat uh, yourself. <laughs> treat yourself. <laughs> if you really want it to last, we have a couple of those upstairs. Maybe we should. You know, they sent her a box Patreon full of pack. Um, yeah, <laughs> put it in the Patreon pack. Signed that's, copy. That's for the person who who. Uh, 
the fifty dollar level. I don't know if I even have a level above twenty dollars. That's uh, hundred ninety dollars. Holy cow! I don't know how many they press. I don't know the number they they press, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, um, oh, who was the what was the university that pressed it? Bucknell, Bucknell University Press. I mean, it's 244 pages, so it's still less than a buck a page. <laughs> yeah, that's a great deal. I mean, you're. She's you, glad you liked it, but like I said, she's still Extended warranty, you can't lose. There you go. Right? <laughs> We're going to have to really count the uh, the Simpsons references. <laughs> Minkar, you were had mixed feelings about it. Yeah, Correct. yeah, you liked. Did you know it was a cover right off the jump? Did you look in the booklet, or did you just listen to it? You're like, this is a They Might Be Giants song. Well, as a uh, well-known scholar of all things, I had no idea. No, I did not know <laughs> that it was a cover. I found out, actually, I think when I picked it, and you said basically on Twitter, you're an idiot. Why did you pick a cover? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't think no. it went down like that, but <laughs> you, 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 I think you responded. You do realize that's a cover, right? And I was like, "Yeah, man, I, I know that. I didn't just look that up when you told me and learned it then." Uh, no, I didn't know it. <laughs> Wait, I, I really was the one to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I just wanted to check because I mean that could affect people's opinion of a song i mean i like a good cover and i like this song as well and i don't know how long it took me to figure it out i did have the cd booklet i did scour liner notes back in the day so chances are it didn't take too long before i found it but i don't think i bothered to look up the original for i don't think there's years yeah Yeah. I, i don't think there's a lot of georgie fame fan reunions out there watch us get like flooded with that, angry tweets. you know <laughs> i mean i'm on the wikipedia page for him right now and uh there's a picture of him performing in 2009 so really uh yeah he's he's still alive 78 georgie fame mm-hmm. uh actual name clive powell and uh he's uh british but really um he did not write the song though so um we should probably back it up should we should we dive into this thing i think it's about time I just want to say, though, if he was going to change his name to a stage name, it should have been Max Power. It's it's the name that you want to touch, but you mustn't touch. Uh, (laughs) I got it from a hair dryer. Hair dryer. (laughs) Uh, I I think the best thing to do first is read the the quote from uh, John Linnell and... Rage. Rage. April 2002. It was recorded by Georgie Fame, but apparently it's, we're not actually completely clear on this, but it appears that it was an instrumental before it was this Georgie Fame song that John Hendricks of Lambert, Hendricks, and Ross made up words to, which is something that the vocal group used to do. They would take a popular instrumental or an unpopular instrumental and make up crazy words to it. And I think this belongs in that category. It's definitely the case with the song Twisted that Joni Mitchell covered, popularly known as My Analyst Told Me. Some of you may remember it. just kind of keeps going. And this may well be the case. It sounds as if Yeah Yeah was written the same way, but sadly we're uninformed about this particular song. So hopefully at some point they headed to the wiki or they listened to this episode and they can learn finally about the song that they covered 21 years ago. <laughs> It'll be the best of times, the blurst of times. You stupid monkey. <laughs> The instrumental version uh, was written by Rogers Grant and Pat Patrick in 1963. 
recorded by Mongo Santa Maria in 1963 on an album called Watermelon Man. So let's go ahead and check that out. Then we will listen to the John Hendricks one. And then we will talk about the They Might Be Giants one. So yes, there is quite a history to this song. So I will drop that in right here. Did you think about, uh, do you like the song, how it sounds, without words? I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. It's not my, you know, favorite song, but uh, I liked it. You know, it's got potential, kind of nice background music to have on. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned earlier the speed listening champ that I was to get through the podcast. It's the kind of thing you're, you got on when you're going through all your active files to see what else you got to do on them to create a to-do list. So, yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, you know, actually, yeah, we haven't mentioned the details there. Um, you may not have listened to If Day for Winnipeg, because uh, we discussed, you were, you were, you were mentioned on uh, that episode, because it's, uh, it, you are definitely the speed listening champ catching up on this podcast. Uh, your, your runner up would be my guest on that one, Chris Connaughton. He came in, I think he said, and I'm going to ask you the same question. He came in, uh, we found out about the show when we were on episode like, 50 he went back to the beginning and caught up by like episode 80 or something so it took him like six months or something like that to listen to everything maybe a little more um i'm already forgetting what he said and i edited it like three days ago uh so (laughs) so much they might be giants talk um do you remember what uh, without getting on too much more of a tangent, let's try to be uh, actually succinct with our, t- our talking since we're in between versions of yeah, yeah, right at the moment. Do you remember what episode we were currently on um, when you found out about the show and went back to episode one? I don't remember. We could check and pull it up and do one of those. But it would have been. World style, yes. Yeah, it would have been mid-June of 2021. Uh, and I caught up on on or about December 3, 2021, because I checked my Twitter. I was listening to If Day, and I got about 20 or so minutes into it today. I didn't finish for reasons that are apparent. But uh, but I went back through my Twitter, and I found on December 3rd, I tweeted at you that I had finally caught up. And then a new one dropped right when I finished, and I think I did a Simpsons thing of stop, stop, he's already dead for my mood. So 
Yeah, I got a lot of nice gifts from you. I I liked how it was. I was getting uh, progress updates from you, but I'm thinking maybe Chris said it was. um, And I mean, you're listening to the episode right now that it was about a year. That I think it must have been more around a year, and it sounds like it took you maybe like eight nine months. You know, uh, friendship, yeah, religion, (laughs) family. Those are the three demons that I slayed. To, to succeed in the in the world of podcast listening. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, what's interesting about that quote from Mr. Burns is how evil they make him. Like, he dogs having friends. He dogs being there for your wife who's giving birth. He tells you religion is stupid. What phony baloney church. And then the way he says, or synagogue. Like, he's just casually anti-Semitic. And you're like, I didn't think you could be a worse person. Or and then, synagogue, yeah, like the they, tone that he says. Right, and then you just, wow, you took it to another level. You are that Okay, what terrible. about, what about Reverend, Reverend Lovejoy? Whether you be Christian, Jew, or miscellaneous, right. I'm Hindu, there are 8 million of us, or whatever it is, probably more than that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But yes, the instrumental version is already called Yeah Yeah and off of the album Watermelon Man. It's got a classic, I mean, 1963 cover art, just as you would want it. Um, it it does, I mean, even across the top, it has, it says stereo, 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 just so that you know that they're using the modern technology, which stereo was uh, a fairly new thing to be, you know, mixing an album in stereo. Um, 63, I mean, the Beach Boys and stuff were still refusing to mix in stereo into the late 60s. I think it's super cool. It's it's like something you'd think of, like, those first seasons of Mad Men, which I think it, yeah. it was said in 63, where they'd, like, be playing at a cocktail party they'd be having, you know, they'd throw this record on their, their big old-school console, you know. They'd do um, a key bump to keep up with current yeah. events. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I I think it's pretty awesome. Uh, it's it's got this cool feel to it, and um, Flans talks about um, the style of music called uh, French music called Yeah Yeah, which is inspired by the song apparently, and it's Y E. I mean French Y E. He's got the accent on it, Yee Yee or Yeah Yeah uh, music. Uh, when someone asked him about the song This Microphone on. Um, their Tumblr page, TMBG are okay. Um, did I send that link to you for that? No, you did. Thing? Let me I, but see. I mean, I to, did. To, yeah. To that point, though, the, the the original has a lot that you can do with it, and I think that's yeah. why it's been mm-hmm. covered so many times and done. I think there's a Hugh Laurie version out there somewhere or something. I don't know, but oh yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot you can do with it, you know, and and it's a good it's a good tune. It's got a it's got a great melody throughout. I mean, an instrumental song needs to have, um, you know, there's there's still got to be a melody. I mean, in most cases, if it's a song that's meant to be sold to, uh, you know, the masses, a, something along the lines of whatever pop might be at that current time, it's got to have something catchy. And if there's no words for people to sing along to, it's at least got to have something humble. And it sure does. I mean, and I love all the little percussion. I mean, a lot of those flares have stuck through different covers of it. And, you know, like I already mentioned, the triangle, like, you know, stuff that you don't hear in like modern pop music, really. You know, there's all kinds of cool. There's a, you know, Guiro scraping. There's all kinds of stuff. Uh, It's got a great beat. It's got a great melody. Um, 
And so, yeah, I looked into this yeah, yeah music a little bit. So on this Tumblr post, uh, someone talks about the video for uh, this microphone off of um, Alec Fun. And let's see, it says, when you were writing this microphone, you were listening to a lot of <clears throat> female musicians from the 60s. Who was it and what else inspired you to write this beautiful, beautiful song? And then Flans, um, let's see, when he gets into it, he's talking about, I mean, he mentions like Dusty Springfield and stuff, but then he particularly talks, he says there's a world of yeah, yeah music. And yes, it's derived from the Georgie fame hit that we covered on Minkar. Um, uh, He describes it as that uh, what European people call a genre of pop music that has, uh, it would often have female vocalists and bright rock rhythms, but it's kind of along a lighter, it's a, it's got a light feel. It's still got kind of a rock and roll tempo, um, maybe some elements of that, like saxophones were big in rock and roll in the 60s, and 50s and 60s. Um, you know, a fuller instrumentation wasn't something people today would even think of as a rock song. But this Yeah Yeah music, I decided to look into a little bit of it and, and sample it. Um, and so I, I sent you one that you know, was just like a big string. It was almost just like a, a playlist of of stuff. It's got this cool light feel, a lot of cool percussion, mostly female vocalists. Very, again, like something you'd hear in a Mad Men uh, cocktail parties. Everyone's having a good time, you know, drinking their martinis, whatever else. And, you know, um, everyone's wearing hats for some reason. <laughs> Everyone had to wear a hat. If you walked out of the house, you a hat uh, back in the day. But let's talk about, we've already mentioned the name of the people who wrote the lyrics. Uh, the the group, uh, Lambert, Hendrix, and Bavan, uh, 1963, so it was very shortly after the instrumental one, um, was recorded at the Newport Jazz Festival. Uh, and so let's listen to that. What should we do? I mention movies, but she don't seem to dig that. And then she asked me, why don't I come to the flat and have some supper? Then let the evening pass by by digging records. Decided to be high five. I say yeah, yeah. And that's what I say. I say yeah, yeah. My baby loves me. She gets me feeling so fine. The way she loves me. She makes me know that she's mine. And when she kisses, I feel the fire get hot. She never misses. She gives it all that she's got. And when she asks me, if everything is okay, I got my answer The only thing I can say, I say yeah, yeah And that's what I say, I say yeah, yeah We'll play a melody and turn the lights out So you got lyrics to Yeah, Yeah. You dig it? So to quote AP Bio, people say they like jazz, but they don't. Uh, 
they don't. Hey, yeah, hey, I don't know about that. This, uh, I, I like very specific types of jazz, but I wouldn't say I like all jazz. I, I, no, I don't, I'm not knocking jazz. That that was the line that I thought of when I listened to it. Yeah. It, it was the song, it was too long, one. It went on forever. <laughs> and it just, it never really came together for me. I just, I didn't particularly care for it. <laughs> okay. I mean, the lyrics themselves were good, but it just, the, it just it didn't come together. Tell them I hate them. Have the Rolling Stones skilled. No, I'm I'm going to the Grump Olympus. We need to get more Futurama right. quotes in here. Right. Tell them I hate them. <laughs> Who are those ugly orange men over there? You could say, what was it, Bender? Honey, that dress was ruined the minute you put it on. <laughs> oh, I just found a, a skate deck company that does completely unlicensed. Uh, Futurama-inspired boards, nice. uh, skate decks, where it's just the whole deck is basically, it's got like a little tuft of purple hair and a single eyeball, and then there's like purple and stuff. <laughs> so it's not like a straight-up drawing of Leela, but it's like purple th- Cyclops, little, ter- you know, it's uh, it's very clearly. And then there's a Bender one, which is all kind of that blue, like that gray-blue uh, metal, and then the Bender eyes um yeah they're very cool i may i may get one because i'm because we're going to spain and i want to skate there and we're like oh, let's not have to check another bag because you bring it on the flight we're like i'll just buy a board when i'm there boards get destroyed anyway it's like you know it's all part of it i'll just have another board and i'm looking at skate shops in madrid and i'm like holy shit i can, I can buy a lila board that's amazing well when you do things right people won't be sure if you've done anything at all Exactly. When I uh, buy the right deck. Uh, well, yeah, I, you know, it's funny how much skate decks rip off uh, popular art and stuff like that. And usually they do not get noticed or get in trouble. But um, I shouldn't say this as an attorney, but plagiarism gets a terrible rap. I've stolen so many things about how I practice law from other people. Uh, you know, find something that good people do. Take it. Make it your own. I prefer the quote, uh, yeah, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. I start, I mean, especially when I'm covering the MIP Giants, I always start with, okay, I'm going to cover this MIP Giants song, but I want to make it sound like this band. Really, um, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, except Bob Dylan never appreciates people who imitate him. So, um, as you... <laughs> Even though he was ripping off Woody Guthrie. Yeah, exactly. And and he treated, um, oh God, who was it? Um Ramblin' Jack Elliott, who I saw live uh, some years ago in Floyd. Nice. Uh-huh. Uh, he completely stole him, used him to advance his career, and then kicked him to the curb. Oh, yeah? Man, yeah. I guess I didn't keep up with him much after he, he had, in his older age, had a, he put on Elmon Anti, the really epitaph, the epitaph imprint. Yeah, that's where I first heard him. I was like, who is this old guy? I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Oh, he can play. Um, I mean, he can. Uh, he he's even at. I don't remember how old he was. He was in his eighties. He could really play. I mean, he, it was something to watch, yeah. man. It was a yeah. fun show. Mm-hmm. He told a great story making fun of uh, Dylan obsessed people. It was, uh, mm-hmm. it was yeah. It was something like uh, I was in Colorado and I, I ran into Bob Dylan and Bob came up to me and he said, "Hey, Ramsey Jack, what are you doing? What are you doing? How you been? What's going on?" I said, Bob, I've been taking care of my cats. Hey, you've been taking care of your cats. It's so funny. You're taking care of your cats. Blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, Bob, I'm uh, taking care of my cats. I've been waiting 30 years for a Dylanographer to tell me what the hell that meant. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> My wife, who did not enjoy Ramblin' Jack Elliott's music that much, loved him trashing Bob Dylan with that, though. So it, was, uh, it worked yeah, out Dylan, for her. So are you not a Dylan fan because of that? Well, are you? <laughs> once you realize how much he's, he just completely ripped off other people and didn't pay tribute to go with Always Sunny, an Always Sunny reference. Uh-huh. It's hard to to really enjoy him when, you know, like his song um, that he just stole from the uh, the Patriot game. Oh, with God on our side, that he just completely ripped off from somebody mm. else. And the way that he treated a lot of the musicians that he knew, it's hard to sit back and really appreciate kind of it. And, and he said it, like, all my songs are basically stolen from, what, Maybell Carter, uh, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he made it seem like he wrote uh, "House of the Rising Sun," you know. Which, really? Yeah, I mean, I it's just, that. yeah, just. Hmm. I don't know. I just. I I think just he's. I mean, I mean, I guess some of us, if, if he says something recently, you can chalk it up to a little old age and uh, forgetfulness or senility or one of, one of those. Because like, he's just probably absorbed so many things that it, it's like when comedians say that someone ripped them off or that you're stealing jokes and it's like well maybe i did i just watched so many other comedians it's like maybe that's just something that like leaked into my subconscious and it came out in a slightly different way it's you know i mean dylan's just so so influential uh to so many people but he didn't invent any of the genres he played you know, so he was picking them up from somewhere. He just did them very, very well. Yeah, and "Song to Woody" was just completely. Um, what was the song that he took from that? Uh, the 1913 massacre, right? Where he just mm. completely takes everything about it, and makes it his own song, and you know, I know he was giving homage to Woody Guthrie there, at least at that point. But yeah, mm-hmm. if you wa- there was a Ramblin' Jack documentary, I think on Netflix, and if you watch that, yeah. it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to have a positive view of Bob Dylan. Jeez. I don't know. Maybe. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. Teacher. I, I love both of them. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm the world's biggest Dylan fan, but I do own pretty much every album from the start of his career to the eighties. And then the, some of the late nineties, early odd stuff where uh, he kind of found his way. I mean, he, he made great music. I'm not going to say he didn't make great music, but like, when you hear from some of the people who were around him at that time, yeah, you know, yeah. it's one of those things like no, I mean, no man yeah. should outlive his fictional wizard, or what was it Homer said in that episode? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could get that quote right, but yeah, yeah, I, I mean, it's one of those things where then you can get, I mean, we could get down that whole, uh, that rabbit hole of, um, separating art from the artist and all that. You know, there's some things that are completely unforgivable. The Cosby Show has been ruined forever. It's yeah. such a such an amazing show, um, but it will never be aired on TV again. It's not going to be on any streaming services, and uh, it would be impossible to watch this guy pretending to be a good person and good father, knowing what he's done. But 
something like, yeah, this guy's kind of a jerk, whatever. I mean, like, what am I going to never listen to the Velvet Underground because Lou Reed's an asshole? Am I, I mean, you know, yeah, but, am I never going to listen to Modest Mouse because Isaac Brock is an asshole? <laughs> yeah, but Dylan sued, what, Hootie and the Blowfish for making some reference, like, favorably to Bob Dylan in one of their songs, you know? He did? Yeah, I mean. Wow. What a, you got that kind of time on your hands, man? That's that's bizarre. Well, Hootie. Hootie who should get back on track? No, Hootie was from Let's, South Carolina. They're from, uh, you know, where where uh-huh. I grew up. Yeah. So that's that's how I, how I knew about that. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess just to put a pin in, uh, to, to uh, put a period on the end of the sentence for Lambert, Hendricks, and Vivan, uh, I, you know, the thing about it, you're saying about, Nobody actually likes jazz. They they do jazz it up, so they take this one that's got kind of like a lighter kind of Latin pop feel. Uh, the original, I guess, I guess that would be one way to broadly describe it. They they take it and they do swing the eighth, give it that kind of jazzy bit. It does go on too long, but I do like that uh, Georgie Fame in the Blue Flames. Then two years later, nineteen sixty five, they lock that eighth note back in. Uh, take the the jazz out of it um, and get it back a little what I would consider a little peppier beat. So let's listen to this. This is the one that I believe the Johns would have known about and decided to cover, thinking at first it was the original. Let's check it out. Georgia Fame. Every evening, with all my days work suit, I my baby. And let's go watch her with you I met some movies But she don't seem to be that And then she asked me Why don't I come to a flat And have some supper And let the evening pass by Taking records Besides a groovy high five I say yeah yeah and That's what I say I say yeah yeah My baby loves me She gets me feeling so fine She loves me She makes me know that she's mine And when she kisses I feel the fire get hot She never misses She gives it all that she's got And when she asks me if everything is okay, I got my answer The only thing I can say, I say yeah, yeah That's what I say, I say yeah, yeah We'll play a melody and turn the lights down on soda, sort of knock and see We gotta do that, we gotta do that We gotta do that, we gotta do that And there'll be no one else alive in all the world except you yeah, Georgie Fame, um, he worked a lot with uh, Van Morrison. Really? Bill Wyman, Alan Price. Uh, yeah, he had Okay, he had three number one hits. Yeah, yeah, it was one of them. And then uh, Getaway in 1966 and The Ballad of Bonnie and Clyde in 1967. Can't say I'm familiar with either of those, but I mean... Top in the charts three times. That's you know good for him. Respect. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, he's done more musically than I ever will or will ever hope to. So no, I like this. I like this version of it though. It's a solid version of it. You know, what's interesting though is the line uh, where he says, "I want you all for my own. I think I'm ready to leave the others alone." Mm-hmm. Thinking of it as just his version, you think about that line in the context of all those problematic kind of songs from like the sixties, <laughs> like. Uh-huh, I'm right. a girl watcher, which is <laughs> under my thumb. Yeah, uh, and and uh, what was the other one? Young girl, which is really, really creepy to listen to. Mm. But when you hear the original version of it with that trio, there's what uh, two? I think it's two men and a woman. Uh, one woman are singing it together, so they're both kind of, you know, you have mm-hmm. you have 
that coming from different perspectives. So it doesn't make you think maybe of some of those kind of songs that are a little more cringy now that you grew up, at least when you were my age, we were both born in what, 81, I think, you know, yep. those songs you grew up listening to that you listen to now, you're like, I don't know about that. But <laughs> that was my first thought when I had listened to his version a little bit and had started getting ready for this. But then hearing the version you sent me, the people don't like jazz version, it kind of has a little bit of a better feel to it where it's kind of a uh, man and a woman coming together, you know, a couple coming together and being formed mm-hmm. out of the song. His version of Yeah, Yeah was released on January 14th, 1965. Uh, spent two weeks at number one in the UK singles charts. And it sounds like, uh, okay, no, with another song he made his US television debut. I was misreading that. Um, but yeah, it's it's all in, in the span of two years, he had his three number one hits um but yeah he keep playing and and it sounds like he plays a lot with um i mean bill wyman from the rolling stones the picture of him on the wikipedia page he's playing uh piano or an organ it's kind of hard to tell what it is uh with bill wyman's rhythm kings uh just in 2009 so as far as i can tell yeah he's still yeah still playing there's something here from 2014 him playing some stuff in england so yeah he's uh Still rocking it. Georgie Fame. Yeah, and this, uh, I think, probably most people call this the definitive version, the one that, if people know this song, I mean, other than us, they might be Giants fans, if they know the song, it's probably the Georgie Fame version. Right. and That's good. Maybe, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a good song, and maybe he's out on the Steel Wheelchair Tour with the Rolling Stones, for you real obscure <laughs> Simpsons fans. But, no, it's a, it's a good song. I mean, it's a good tune. I, I enjoy it. It was, a, it was a really good one to hear that, getting ready for the, uh, the podcast. So let's talk about the They Might Be Giants version. I mean, that's probably something we should do. Uh, <laughs> so the the uh, lyrically, obviously, it's a cover, kept pretty much the same. But as as we said when we first, you know, we're jumping on this call, you gotta, you know, the yo yo yo, come on, come on. Not in any of the other versions. <laughs> right. No, but that's one of the things that is unique about They Might Be Giants is they do a little bit of everything. So you think maybe they're going to do kind of a little bit of rap or maybe some kind of R&B thing that they're going to get into. And then they steer away from that. And they get into that great, you know, uh, great guitar riff that they've got when they say open your mind to electric guitars. I mean, that's an Another awesome added sound. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's just an awesome sound that they've got going. And they really balance a lot of different musical styles in there, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good, it's a good love song. So I think for people who are not as hardcore fans as some of us, uh, some of us who have been kind of like recovering Catholics, where we're coming back to the fold, if you will, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it's a song that I think everybody could could listen to and enjoy. Yeah. So with with a song like this, I mean, yeah, it's it's mostly musical stuff we're going to be talking about because the lyrics are pretty much the same. Uh, I mean, Flans' uh, delivery is great. Um, Flans, he's just such a he's just such a crate digging kind of guy, and I, I talked about this with Chris uh, as well, where it seems like he just knows about every kind of music. I mean, talking about that French yeah yeah music inspired by the song, just like the the amount of stuff that he listens to just like the the influences he's pulling from i think are perhaps a little wider than linnell's and that's why i think flan songs not that his are always the weirder ones linnell can write a, a really good weird song um i've been discussing that a lot talking about the the book book tracks but i think 
you seem to get more genre experiments with flans than you do with Linnell. Not saying that again that Linnell never does it, but I think Flans likes to play around like kind of Elvis Costello style. Or Elvis Costello will put out a whole album that's like I decided to be this kind of musician on this record, or even you know people try, <laughs> attempting to get me into Ween. Finally, it's like oh they did a country album. Like okay, you're really gonna really gonna go all in on that one. So Flans like through an album like Mink Car, there's all kinds of genres going. It goes all over the place, and that's why I love it. <clears throat> This is another one, I mean, cover or not, where when it comes up in the track list, you're like, oh, this is something different. Yeah, it's it's Pomo. It's weird for the sake of weird. It's just something that you don't expect. I mean, it's a sound, really, that up until that point, they might be giants had not touched on at all. No. I, I mean, this this feels like nothing else other than, I mean, what I... Um, Hold on, I'm going to verify something. Go, go ahead. I'm gonna, I'm trying to verify something here. No, I think you missed the Pomo reference, by the way. But oh, I I think I did. You'll, you'll have to look that up. Uh, but no, to your point though about Flans, is he really does a lot of different versions. Like you take, and sometimes he'll do his own songs different. Like you got Black Ops, the album mm-hmm. version. I did not enjoy at all, but the the rock version that he does, man, that's fantastic. That's one of my favorite, most recent of their tracks that i've heard and first kiss and another first kiss the way that you know the 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 different versions of it he Mm -hmm. he's very experimental you know linnell is too but i think and i'm someone who doesn't really listen too much to the lyrics because i think there's kind of a depth to it and it's it's esoteric in a way that it's hard for a lot of us to kind of understand and I think it's kind of like Gene Wolfe's fiction. It's meant to be dense. It's like Kierkegaard. It's meant to be dense in some respects. Mm-hmm. But I think his lyrics, not that Flans aren't as weird and as strange or whatever or as dense, but I think you're onto something there with the way that Flansburg does a lot of different musical styles. You know, you take, like, We Live in a Dump. You take, you know, Black Ops, which I know I, know I keep coming back to that. I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, He was messing around in a different genre, and for some of us... Dirt bike. If you don't happen to be that fan of a, a fan of that genre, you know you might not like that song, and we prefer the rock version. Right. right? But take dirt bike. You know that's another one too. And then mm-hmm. number mm-hmm. three, which is one of my favorite of his, and minimum wage too. He doesn't do enough country stuff anymore. Ah. He doesn't do any country stuff. I mean, he used to get that every so often. I mean, even I mean on the Pink Album alone. I mean, you got Alienations for the Rich. Great. And number three you got two country uh, pastiche songs. Yeah, we don't really get. That I mean, uh, maybe there were just lucky, two lucky ball and chain. I mean, we oh, don't get that I love kind of that one. Me. That one's fantastic. That is one of my favorites. I'd learned to play that on guitar at one point, but I've since forgotten it. I love that song. I mean, that's so good. That is a great, great song. Um, so good. Uh, the I'm trying to find what I was trying to verify, and I've not been able to do yet. I feel like I read somewhere, and it must not be on the wiki. I feel like that Minkar, the song. And yeah, yeah, I th- I feel like one of them influenced the other. I I think well, Minkar being the name of the Giants original, I th- I feel like I remember reading somewhere, and I could be mixing up some other songs, but I feel like like Minkar and yeah, yeah, you hear, they both have triangle in them. For example, I feel like I read somewhere that when they were recording Minkar and kind of getting those tones dialed in for that kind of smooth, like kind of like a soft rock kind of feel. Um, Something like kind of Paul Anka or something. I don't know. You know, uh, that, that, yeah. And, and then they're like, 
playing around with those certain instruments and that kind of vibe. And then Flans is like, yeah, this song, I'm really into this Georgie fame song. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just, let's, let's knock it out. Let's try it. I, I don't remember where I saw that and maybe I'm completely imagining it, but I feel like, yeah, yeah. was like a last minute addition to Mink Car um, because they were recording that title track and they're like, let's, let's keep grooving on this, this kind of arrangement. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's much faster, um, but it has a lot of that same kind of vibe, dynamic level uh, instrumentation, um, yeah, between those two songs. So, yeah, it's a good thing you picked a cover. You don't need to discuss the, the deeper meanings of the lyrics. That's right. <laughs> it's, not a very, it's not a very deep song originally as right. it is, but it's fun. No, it's a great song. It's it's an enjoyable song. It's a good intro to They Might Be Giants. You can hear that they have a lot of different musical styles. They got a lot for everybody. They should do more country, but maybe there were only two country songs in them, and he hasn't written the third, you know? <laughs> well, I would say that Lucky Ball and Chain is the third. That's a great song. That is a <laughs> yeah. great song. <laughs> yeah, they need more songs with, uh, you know, sound effects, gunshots, whip cracks, you know? Where'd, the, where'd those go? <laughs> yeah, the I, I do love how, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, Flans adds, adds in his little goofiness with the lyrics and stuff, and they're like, open your mind to electric guitar like open your mind is just such like a six it's more of a late 60s kind of phrase where it's like you gotta open up your mind man try these what are those (laughs) it's like (laughs) i don't know just try one uh gotta expand you know expand your mind uh but that guitar solo is great so that's one one big thing sonically that's not in the original there's no ripping guitar solo in the original um yeah, and, and I mean, we got to think that the song was written, you know, the Beatles were together, but it was pre like British invasion. Um, I mean, rock hadn't gotten hard yet, really. For what we would think as, you know, heavy guitars and hard stuff, you know, there's no ripping guitars in any of these versions of Yeah, Yeah that, that uh, influenced their version. Uh, another thing you get is um, the Linnell style that you get, you get. A lot of synthesizer sounds, um, bleeps and, and bloops. Like, uh, you got to do that. You got to do that. Boop, 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 boop. There's like this little like percolating kind of synth stuff that happens that I love. Yeah. Um, while they keep stuff intact, like the, uh, the saxophones, I mean, obviously they love, I mean, maybe that's what made them want to cover in the first place that you got this six saxophone line going through like the whole thing. And uh, the sax on this one uh, is played by Linnell because they've had, like, Stan Harrison has played a lot of stuff through through the years, post-duo era especially. Um, oh, there's extra percussion by someone named Herd Gadboys? Herd Gadboys. Herd Gadboys. Um, that's the only thing that he's done with on a They Might Be Giant song. Hmm. That's the one name of giant song he's been on. And I didn't know that Adam uh, Schlesinger from <clears throat> Founds of Wayne, um, RIP, he uh, played synth bass on this. I'm thinking during those, uh, during like the hip hop breakdown, that must be him because he did a lot of production stuff and little little stuff on, on Mink Car. I did not know he played an instrument on this track. So that was a cool thing to learn. Yeah, it's got, yeah. it's got a little bit of everything for people who 
rock and roll all night and party every day and then maybe every other day and every then other day. maybe once a week they're lucky <laughs> to have time to get down you know Weinkoff isn't on the track i just that just i just realized that Schlesinger stole his uh, stole his gig but we'll we'll allow it uh, <laughs> we'll allow it. Overruled. I guess it synth bass through the whole thing. I, I, I don't. I guess I never really noticed that it wasn't uh, bass guitar and synth bass. All right, okay. The percussion elements. I mean, there's there's other little touches that they do. I mean, they don't ever just replicate a song when they're doing a cover. But I think the overall vibe of the song is pretty much intact. They just add those. They might be giants flares. Um, it's a good. It's a good balance between making it your own and not completely dismantling the original. And they do great covers, man. They do fantastic oh, yeah. covers. New York City, Whirlpool, I mean the guitar. I mean it's you know, it's of course your favorite song, Istanbul, but it's <laughs> uh it's I mean they really they really cover songs very well. And this is another one that's just really, really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But is there anything else to say about uh, the original before we listen to the two live versions? Not until because I don't think you're going to rank this as high as me. So we'll re- we'll table it and I'll reserve it until that time when I convince you and, that you're wrong. And re- yeah, and when we score it, we can uh, talk about um, your uh, the spreadsheet you sent me. All right. Uh, okay. Let's see. Okay, so uh, I sent you two live versions. One is the very first time they played it, and one is the very last time, well, maybe not last ever, but the most recent time they played it. So the only bit I could find of the debut, apparently, I mentioned this to you, I think before the episode even started, uh, went to Mr. John Ulyss, be like, where do do you have any recordings of this? There's a recording of the September 10th, late show but where's the september 10th early show uh that has yeah yeah on it it was a press only event not even 11 year old john ulis was invited but uh it was not recorded but well it was recorded in some capacity because it ended up on this youtube video kind of montage of some linnell interviews and stuff um so i'll play uh pretty much get like 20, 30 seconds of it, I'll, I'll play all of that. What'd you think about that live debut? How'd they do? Well, I think I'm sure it was fine. The unfortunate part of it is that you don't hear the whole song, right? right. So if you right. just heard that in passing, you'd probably think it's kind of background noise. Or maybe you'd go look in and see, seek it out. But uh, 
it's unfortunate we don't have the full track. I'd, I'd really like to hear it. Again, that was the last. If Euless doesn't have it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> right. No, but I mean, for like people of our, our age, that was like the last normal day of life, right? Mm-hmm. The next day, we all know what happens. I mean, that I would just personally, I, as someone with a history degree, would like to hear the full original of that. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely changes your perspective on. I mean, yeah, I mean, when all that went down, everyone was like, is it when is it okay to do comedy again? When, uh, you know, like SNL took a couple of weeks off or something, I don't know. <clears throat> you know, a couple of weeks into it, people are like, you know, I mean, the common phrase we heard back then was like, well, if we change the way we're living, the terrorists win. That was the thing that you heard all the time where it's like, you know, people, people want to be cheered up. We got to, you know, returning to life as normal means that, you know, you know that we're not letting you know not that we're not letting it affect us but um you know got life you got to keep living man and uh comedy and music and art and all that stuff was definitely influenced by it um but uh yeah those are the things that uh people also want a break from thinking about horrible things right uh you know you know after reading my wife's book and learning about how shitty people are. You might, might want to put on a song like "Yeah, Yeah" and get cheered up a little bit. <laughs> exactly. And maybe being reminded is the better term. Sure. Right. Yeah. 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 The book is not written to make you hate humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Just in case you people thought <laughs> right. people used to be great. Psych. Yes. This is not a recent phenomenon. Uh, and then the most recent time they played it was 2017, and I did grab that off of, uh, if, if people don't know, I know I mentioned a few times, but the museumofidiots.com, there's a ton of great, uh, they might be giant stuff on that fan site. It is just a bare bones looking site. It looks like a website out of the 90s. All It's there for uh, you to grab stuff uh, and enjoy some obscure they might be giants uh material and uh bootleg live recordings etc so let's listen to that one song is called yeah yeah and this is how it goes I said, yeah, that's what I said, I said. 
so they had they had fun with it on this one. You dig it? Yeah, it was all right. I liked it. I just I don't think it's a song that they particularly are that invested in. And I know they have a lot of songs. Oh, yeah. So when you're yeah. doing like which ones you're gonna play, it may not be at the top of the list. But yeah, I liked it. I yeah. liked it. I mean, it got played 66 times. But 65 of those times were in 2001 and 2002. So this was a mink car show. Um, and who knows if, you know, they've said this Flood tour, the 32nd anniversary of Flood, picking back up, is now going to include tracks from mink car. This probably won't be one of them. But That's you know, unfortunate. It's a fun song, but they didn't write it. Chances are if you're hand-picking, you know, six songs off a of mink car, you know, it's not going to be this one. That's too bad. That's too bad. Let's talk covers. Now, covers of a cover. Why not? Uh, I've, I've done it. Uh, New York City, for example. Uh, if you haven't heard it, Ben, on the... Uh, this might be a... This might be a Um the miscellaneous trash album where I throw a bunch of this stuff. Me and my friends in Blue Bottle, the band I was in from summer before high school all the way past college. Yeah, I got a bunch of the guys in the band into, into the Might Be Giants, particularly our singer, uh, Steve, who was on episode number two, and a, as well as a few other episodes, including the Minkar Debates. He's obviously a Minkar fan as well. He was on the pro Minkar team with me. Um, we did a cover of New York City. Uh, I don't think realizing at the time that it was a Cub song. Um, but th- we did a recording of it fairly recently, and it's actually more of a parody of a cover of a cover. Beca- <laughs> or a parody of a cover because it's called Windy City. Yeah. The Windy uh, Apple. The Windy Apple. The, yeah. The uh, uh, good old... Capital Capital City. <laughs> they don't want to give away where this which Springfield. Matt Green doesn't want to give away which Springfield it actually is. So the the big city near Springfield is just Capital City. Like on the Purple Toupee compilation, Noah Daniel did a Whirlpool. Uh, not realizing at first that it was actually a Meat Puppet song. Great song. Um, yeah, great song. Both versions and Noah's version. There are covers of this song covering people covering it uh, that I know that it's Donna they might be giant song but there are a couple of minkar tributes out there there was one that happened uh came out the 10th anniversary of minkar that one that track is it's credited it's credited to beefy and mustin uh you can find it on bandcamp i think it's just called minkar covers bandcamp.com i believe but on youtube we've i found it um beefy and mustin yeah yeah they might be giants cover let's check it out Yeah, 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 yeah
did you think? Uh, I'm a well-wisher in that I don't wish them any specific harm. <laughs> it <laughs> that mean you don't like it? <laughs> it was not uh, my cup of tea, but it just, I didn't. They had, uh, I think they had uh, uh, two or three different singers on it, but it just did not, which was kind of a throwback to the original, but it did not, the original with lyrics, but it did not do that much for me. I mean, I like it in that it takes a lot of chances. It strays from the original quite a bit while still retaining a groove, a different kind of groove. And all the catchy melodies. I mean, it's got a lot of cool fucked with vocals, you know, like pitch, pitch shifted vocals, stuff like that. It's, yeah, I mean, it's got like kind of a, you know, a funky kind of, I mean, it's almost like... I mean, saying hip hop is too broad, but it's almost kind of like that uh, that dirty South kind of that Atlanta hip hop from the '90s that just was real funky. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's a cover of a very uh, yeah a Latin pop soft rock type of song. There's a lot of just mixing of genres, and I like how out on a limb they went on this one. Fortune favors the bold. Exactly. So next up, then, uh, tmbs.bandcamp.com. They might be shitposting the shitposting group that I mentioned before. Uh, it does all of these cover tributes. I've been on a few of them. Um, I had too much stuff going on with the baby and all that to be on this 20th anniversary main car cover that came out last fall, this cover uh, album. There are two versions of Yeah Yeah from that. First one we're going to listen to is Cat Voltron. Great name. Yes, definitely. think of the cat voltron cover of yeah yeah so i i liked it but it it started out like it was going to be a rockabilly tune i thought the way that it came in and so i was expecting a rockabilly sound which i uh-huh. dig and then it turned away from that and so it kind of lost me so i'm not okay i'm not being critical of it it's just kind of i had an expectation of what i was going to get and then that didn't happen. So I, I was a little like, man, I wish he'd done kind of like an old school Carl Perkins kind of a thing with it, you know? Mm. So, mm. but you know, it just, that was only my, my only problem with it. I thought when I heard the very beginning, all right, we're going to hear a rockabilly tune. And then that didn't happen. Well, did you happen to notice the, uh, the track description? So I was listening to this <laughs> in a hospital room, and I did not know. <laughs> sure. uh, well, so <laughs> the guys that arrange these uh, tribute albums and kind of you know pull in all the tracks, um, you know, you submit like your 
um, what you want the individual track. Like if you want credits, like this person played this or whatever else you want to put, and they'll put it on the individual track. You got to click over to the track. Uh, you wouldn't see if you just listen to the album as whole in the whole at whole. Uh, but Cat Voltron, whoever that might be, I, I could probably find out. Put today I invent lounge punk. Tomorrow I publicly apologize for inventing lounge punk. <laughs> no, I, I think the lounge lounge punk definitely works. And I love all. There's a bunch of muted triangle in this. Like the triangle stays. The yeah. tempo is just cranked up on it. Yeah. It's and like I a, dig it, but I definitely see what you're saying. That little, that little bent note on the guitar in the beginning for a split second. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, it's going. Uh, I love fifties ro- rock. I love yeah. rockabilly tunes. I saw yeah. Reverend Orton Heat live once, and if you've ever seen them at that age when they were touring, a band that really didn't care about what they were doing, that was them. They just came out. Mm. This song's from our first album. They played a song from their first album, and it just went from there through each of their albums. Like we're old and we're still touring. Leave us alone. What do you? What can you expect from us? <laughs> Give us your money. We're gonna play what we want. Uh, then we've got uh, Jordan D. White, who uh, I should probably get his get, schedule an episode with him pretty soon. He hasn't he hasn't languished on the spreadsheet for too long, but uh, I should probably check out when that was. I got him on there. Jordan D. White uh, is a famed ukulele player. Now he he. Wouldn't want me saying that, but he plays ukulele a lot and is a very good ukulele player. He's popped up on this, uh, the cover section for the show quite a bit before I ever talked to him. Turns out he is uh, one of the head editors at Marvel Comics for the X series wow. of books, X-Men, etc. Uh, so... He's. I can't wait to talk to him. Find out a little bit more about that. I'm not the comic comic book nerd I used to be, but uh, that is gotta be a pretty kick ass job. Um, so yeah, let's listen to Jordan do. Yeah, yeah. Now every evening when all my days work is through, I call my baby. And ask her what we could do I mention movies She doesn't seem to do that And then she asked me Why don't I come to her flat And have some supper And let the evening pass by By playing records The sounds of groovy hi-fi I say yeah yeah That's what I say I say yeah yeah My baby loves me She gets me feeling so fine And when she loves me She makes me know that she's mine And when she kisses I feel the fire get hot She never misses she gives it all that she's got And when she asks me If everything is okay I give my answer The only thing I can say I say yeah yeah That's what I say I say yeah yeah We'll play a melody And turn the lights down low So that no can see We gotta do that We gotta do that We gotta do that What'd you think of the ukulele take? So I thought the melody was fantastic but the lyrics didn't fit with the overall sound. But I, I mean, listening to what he was playing, I would listen mm-hmm. to more of his music. I just think that like this, the, I think he should have fiddled with the lyrics a little bit more, changed them around a little bit and made it more of like kind of a heartbreaking, sad kind of a song. Cause I mean, his melody's fantastic. Yeah. He turns it minor. Like he really, he goes on on a limb by, like a lot of people would see ukulele covers and be like, ah, it's just something I'm singing with a ukulele. But 
he completely twists it in a different way. And what I like about that is that, like you're saying, the lyric doesn't fit the music, but think about it. They might be giant songs. That is so often the case. That's like their bread and butter. It's like this song sounds so happy and catchy, and then you listen to the lyrics, and you're like, oh, my God. Like, in this case, the music sounds sad. It's almost the reverse. The music sounds sad. The melody sounds a little sadder. But it's about a happy, you know, hey, going on a date with my best gal. Right. No, I, I, I really like the music part of it. Uh, and the whole time I was listening to it, I said, this guy's really talented, right? And maybe this wasn't the right song for them, for him to cover with that. But I mean, it's, it's a fantastic, fantastic melody that he put together. I mean, uh, yeah, Jordan's a great player. Um, I mean, I think you would have heard him most recently on the Ah episode. He did the super high tempo ukulele version of Ah. Um, yeah, he's popped up a bunch, and yeah, I should talk to him sometime soon. It's probably going to have to be after Spain at this point. I am booked through May <laughs> with recording sessions right now. Well, uh, before we yeah. before we finish the covers, I think my overall thought on them are disgruntled goat had his moments, uh, but <laughs> I have to apologize. I was going to try to get uh, me and a buddy of mine, Tim, play old time music together. I was going to try to mm-hmm. to work up an old timey cover of this, and that for reasons that are apparent just did not happen. So well, how how about this? How about this? Uh, I've got uh, this covers crew that I've mentioned. If you want, I'll throw you my recording schedule f- for the next two months. And when things lighten up for you a little bit, if you want to give me an old timey cover of one of the upcoming, some other song. Are they my giant song? Give me some old timey covers. I would love. I would love that. I will. I will do what I can. Uh, Tim is very particular with the kind of music he will play and listen to. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'll I'll send you the song list. It's a pretty wide range of stuff from their catalog. Okay. Uh, I, for, uh, yeah, yeah. I will. I will try to finagle it from from him because he's. If not, just you. Just, so I mean. With some of them, especially the more obscure ones, it's like I'm scrounging for covers. I mean, that's why I assembled this crew because it's like stuff, especially when book came out, I'm like, there's no covers. Help me up, friends. Come on. It is time to score this song. Okay. So, yep. Up. Oh, yep. I He's clasping his hands quite evilly. So, no, not, not evil. I'm excited, man. Because I okay. looked, I pulled up the set track from March 31, 20. 2002 I'm talking like a grizzled 1890s prospector <laughs> and this song was on there it was one that uh, they played uh, at a concert I was at with my then girlfriend now wife so I think uh, you know I gotta give this song a high rating man it's it's a fun song it's entertaining it makes you feel good I gotta give it an 8 gotta give it a solid 8 Ooh, cool cool uh, yeah I respect that it's it is a fun song. I mean, the wiki rating, it has an average of 8.14 on the wiki. So people seem to agree with you. I mean, when you look at, people tend to rate stuff pretty high. When you look at what number it is out of 910, it is at 478. So it's not that high up, but. There's a lot of songs. They got a lot of songs. It. You know what I mean? And I only do. Halfway point. You know this. I only do. Uh, Half numbers and full numbers, so it's only yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Ben here informed me uh, partially through his listening that he had been 
keeping track of my scores, which I do, um, but then putting his own scores alongside those. I perhaps should have this whole time been keeping track of my guests' scores on this song, but I'd just been pretty much for my own, you know, for relative to this song, to this song, you know, what's what do I like better? It helps me score things. Um, but he, he has sent me this whole spreadsheet, uh, which we can talk about in a second. Let me score. Let me give my score real quick. Um, yeah, I'm definitely not going to go that high, but I do enjoy it. And like you said before, I, I never skip it. I love it. It's very, I mean, it's a, it's just goes by quick. It's a, it's a nice breezy listen. No reason not to, not to groove to it. And, you know, it's smack dab in the middle of mint car. Just ride it through. I love mint car as a whole. And I love this song too. I think, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to score these covers. Cause it's like, well, they didn't write it. What do I, what am I scoring it on? Well, as far as their arrangement goes and their interpretation of it, like I said, faithful in some ways, but also gives it their flair. I think it's a successful cover. Um, didn't get the, the recognition that Istanbul did. Uh, I think it's still so surprising that that became like one of the hits. It's such a weird song to become a hit, uh, you know, off a flood. But I think I'm going to go, mm, I'm going to go 6.9 because that makes you say, yeah, yeah. Also, nice. If I, so. <laughs> if I may, Your Honor, may I examine the witness here? Uh, just a few points. <laughs> Okay, okay. All right. So let, uh-huh. let me explain to you why you're wrong. <laughs> Although my wife will laugh hysterically at the number of ranking that you chose, assuming she listens to this. <laughs> she is not quite as into They Might Be Giants as your your wife is. But, <laughs> Greg, wouldn't you agree that sometimes you listen to music because you're having a bad day and you want to get your mind off things? Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And wouldn't you agree that sometimes it's just good to feel happy <laughs> about things? Yes. And isn't there a lot of sadness <laughs> in this world? Uh, yes. As we're recording this right now, and we'll do the thing from The Simpsons where we put the beer mugs in front of our face, the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> All right. There's no telling what could happen in the future. Futurama is coming back to Hulu, isn't it? New Ooh. new episodes. Mm-hmm. So it will inevitably be canceled again, like it has been in the past so many times. <laughs> correct. Eventually, I mean, who thought the Simpsons would still be going at this point? And won't that make you sad when that happens? You know, it's hard to say at this point because it's like you're happy for it to come back, but uh, yeah, you know, it's going to end eventually, and they've ended it so many times. As long as it ends, as long as they're able to wrap it up as good as they have before, which they got to think of another way to, you know, put an exclamation mark on the end of that thing, uh, I'll be happy. If it ends shiddly or is canceled like mid-season or something, they don't finish the rest of the episodes, then I'd then I'd be sad. And and aren't you concerned then that they could ruin the beautiful ending that they had for Futurama yeah, by bringing bit. it back? Sure. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, don't you want to turn to something comforting? To get your mind <laughs> off of that, right? Like old, like Kentucky bourbon, the brownest of the brown liquors. Right. 
And sometimes don't you realize you're not wearing any pants in court and it's embarrassing <laughs> and you need to forget about that. And that you're not wearing a tie at all. That is a line I use constantly. <laughs> and Greg, what with all the, and you can just fill in right now, whatever's going on at any point in the future of all the things that are happening in the world, everywhere that's sad, that's horrible, that's just tragic. Don't sometimes you need to get an escape <laughs> from that hopeless, bleak despair. Yeah, but I could also listen to Wicked Little Critter. But don't you need to have your faith <laughs> in human connection and of the enduring power of love between two people restored? Uh, listen to She's an Angel. <laughs> but don't you dislike the fact that Istanbul, not Constantinople, was so successful? And don't you want another cover to be as successful and move that out of the way? Because you hate kids' songs for some reason. <laughs> I don't want to bring my work home with me. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> and doesn't this give you another cover to tell people, look, this is the cover you should listen to instead of that song? It is It is fun song. Hey, you know, to be fair, I only gave it 1.1 1. 1, uh, lower than you. So don't so. you think that what with everything <laughs> terrible, soul-crushing that is occurring, yeah. it, whenever people are listening to this, that this song can take their mind off it, if just for three minutes? I would. There are definitely many reasons I would recommend this song to some sad sack, some withered withered hope. I would I would tell them to listen to Yeah Yeah instead. Exactly. Song, man. Six, 6.9. You have been keeping track of my scores. You've been listening to every episode. That is not that low for me. I've gone way lower. If you get anywhere around seven, twenty eighty two is a seven point three. Are you saying yeah, yeah is better than twenty eighty two? Science is real. You only gave it a seven point two. I'm just saying. I'm not saying that they're Anything better. Above seven is a great is a great song. I just I, I would I would <laughs> respectfully submit to the jury of your peers that is listening to this <laughs> that your rating is low because. We need to be reminded about the happiness in our life, the happiness, the good times in our life. And this song can do that. It's upbeat. I'm about to declare a mistrial. You're just, you're speaking out of order. I, uh, you know, I'm going to find you in contempt of court. The court being this might be a podcast. I, I would give you what's called an Allen or a Titscomb charge in Virginia and ask you to go back and deliberate and come back. And come back with a with a verdict, <laughs> a full and fair compensation. We'll see for, if uh, by the time I edit this, I'll uh, if I need to put a little addendum on there and uh, rescore it. We'll see. Uh, it's it's above a lot of things. It's above it's symbol like you mentioned. It's above door to door minotaur. It's above uh, Duncan. Of course, of course, is above Black Ops. It's it's above a lot of stuff. It's above Fibber Island. Tick, 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 tick. She, it, it slaughtered. Nope. It's, it's tied with No Cops. It's tied with I'll Be Haunting You. Both good songs. Um, I don't know what to tell you, man. 6.9 is not is not horrible for me. Anything above 7 is great, and I think this just falls a little bit short of that. But it was fun looking at our scores, comparing them. The ones of yours that I was surprised that I would say you are wrong. Fire away. Well, 
Okay. There were some surprise uh, tens for me. End of the tour, not so much. I could see people. I know people really connect to that song a lot. I mean, I gave it an 8.2. I love that which song. Which, again, is very high. But at that point, I had nothing to compare it to. I had no scores of my own to compare it to. 8.2 right out of the shoot. Um, ones that I was surprised by. Well, giving Istanbul a 10. I don't hate children's music, Greg. I d- you, you know, just hate kids, apparently. Are I- you a fan of the four lads? <laughs> <laughs> giving Okay, giving Dead a 5.5. That's going to get you tarred and feathered around these parts, man. Why don't you like Dead? I don't know what it was that when I listened to that again, it just did not appeal to me. I think I liked it Hmm. more when I was younger, but just maybe I'm just an old, crusty, bitter old man. But I just, I didn't enjoy it as much. I don't don't know why, but I gave that one a low rating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at the ones that have a big... uh, disparity between the two of ours those are the ones with x's neck on the yeah, top yeah yeah, yeah you, you already mentioned you're not a fan of mansell out in here i'm very much a fan of mansell out in here i gave it a 9.5 i still stand by that you gave it a six yeah Whew, come on man um, i just that one i can't believe me museum of idiots a 4.5 I what were you thinking? <laughs> well, so let me, so people understand this is how I, I rate them. When, when the new episode comes out, I listen to the song once before I listen to your episode. I listen to the episode. I listen to everybody's input on it. And then at the end of the episode, I, I listen to it again and I give it a final rating. Okay. Final rating. I just, those were ones that just, and these are not comparing them to other, other, they might be giant songs or other songs. It's just kind of a gut feeling do I like this song? And if so, how much do I like it? And where would I, where would I rate it? So I think Mm -hmm. most of the people come on and are rating the songs. And I think you're doing it. You're comparing song a to song 800 and a, you know, cause they've got so many of them, (laughs) which I mean, more power to them to be doing it this long and still be in a band together and put out this much product. I mean, the, the, the amount of work product they put out there, God bless them. But so that's how I rate them. I just those were ones that I just I didn't dig for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, and then so the ones that we scored exactly the same. Birdhouse, no surprise, we both gave ten. Right. Uh, Rhythm section one, Ed both given nine. So I suppose that we may have synced up on others. I mean, I guess the odds are are less if you are going every decimal as well. Like you said, you're just going flat numbers and point fives. So anything that I rated something other than a flat number or a point five, we could not have possibly synced up on. Right. But like can't keep Johnny down. We both have an eight point five. Uh let's see, what else we got here? Hypnotist of ladies. Illinois we both gave a seven. I find that one uh you know as far as state songs go, one that's an instrumental carousel organ piece. That one I feel like I mean, if you're really into old-timey music stuff, you might give that a really high score. But I feel like a lot of people are probably like, nah, skip right to Songs of the 50 States, you know? Um, Where are the rest but, of the yeah, states? so that's interesting. Do all 50 of them. <laughs> I know, seriously. Uh, he's always talking about having to come up with ideas for more songs. I mean, uh, that like a themed album there just seems like the perfect thing for him to do. And he did an EP, and then he... Did the the full length going off of that? It seems like 
you know, and then he did Roman songs. So he went solo again for the first time in 20 years. Uh, surprised he didn't pick up where state songs left off, but I, you know, he had a new inspiration and let's see what else is interesting on here. The song social media. I was just talking about this one on the, uh, they'll need a crane Patreon that's coming up pretty soon. The they'll need a crane covers special Patreon, uh, with, uh, Carrie Hearn, who was also on that episode. Um, I gave that one a 5.9. Seemed like kind of a throwaway for me song that people have kind of forgotten about um, that they put out just kind of as a lark between albums uh, in late 2019. I don't even remember. Um, or maybe it was the voting season. Maybe it was late. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it was late 2020. I don't even remember. But. Um, seems like forever ago. You gave that one a nine. That one spoke to everything that's wrong in our society right now. And that's why I, mean, I gave it a high uh, rating. It hit all the high points. Flans had a hair possessed for good reason there. Yeah. Um, so did I forget to give a score on a whole lot of glean on that episode? I don't know. I Is that why that's blank? I'm trying to find it right now. You have a lot of songs on here. I, oh, I didn't catch sheet. it. I may have missed it. I mean, there have been a couple of times where I've been like, oh, shit. Uh, and then I'll go in and post and fix it. I gave that I gave that a 6.9. Nice. So we were close. We were close. And that was with Noah. Yeah. So I do. I love this, this spreadsheet here. I'll have to. Now I can keep tabs on your scores. That's right. <laughs> you can see where I'm ranking it. I like that a song like Icky that you had that the episode informed you about that you were not familiar with got an eight. I liked it. I like it. It was a good song. Very good song. Were you, were you familiar, familiar with ah beforehand? No, no. A lot of their more recent stuff. I'm not as familiar with, Mm -hmm. but I've been, have you listened to book yet? Have you like in full? No, not in full. No, dude, get on it. Well, while we're at, while we're talking about things that ought to be listened to, so we can actually stay on topic for once. What would you like to hear They Might Be Giants cover? Because I have a list of songs that I would like to hear them cover. They have covered so many songs live. Um, Are we talking about one, though, that they would commit enough to to put it on an album? Yeah. Okay. Because they've, I mean, I've got a a Patreon episode playing with Chris Oliveira, a huge Beatles fan, uh, where we're going to talk about, they've they've covered Savoy Truffle, they've covered Ram On, Yellow Submarine, and they've done a Strawberry Fields version of Particle Man. That's nice. That's just one in a Patreon episode. TMBG does the Beatles. Oh, what would I like to hear them cover? I got a list when you're ready. Again, again, it's tough though, because so many bands have a very specific sound, like... I don't know. Like, I love the Mountain Goats as well. I'd love to hear the Mountain Goats. Like, I know what I'm... I kind of... I basically know what I'm getting if the Mountain Goats do a song. Not that the, it's that narrow, but I could pick something really bizarre, like... Um, I already talked about Modest Mouse. Let's let's see if let's see if the Mountain Goats could do Float On. Like, what would that sound like? It would probably be super interesting, just because those two song, those two things don't seem to jive much at all, other than both being indie bands. But with They Might Be Giants, it's like, well, what direction would they take it? It could go anywhere. But a song that I love, I'm trying to think of something that like Flames would go for, because uh, he's a record crate guy, like something weird that he would know, but maybe. 
someone would listen to the album and be like, oh, that's a kick-ass song, and not know, like with their covers, not know it's a cover because it's such an obscure song. So let's go with... I don't know how many of the MIP Giants fans know Dinosaur Jr. Maybe ones that listen to this podcast have heard me mention them before, but I want to hear the MIP Giants do the song Freak Scene. I think that would be pretty awesome. I'd also love to hear Flans or Linnell say, uh, so fucked I can't believe it. They you know, <laughs> drop, some more F, drop an F-bomb on an album for the first time ever. There you go. <laughs> okay. what, do you, what do you got? Uh, I got a list. Okay, first, per the request of my wife, uh-huh. I have to mention this, and I don't know if you're familiar with Tay Money, the musician. I, I, yes, okay, not very familiar, but I know who. Yes. So my wife had a good point that you have to take songs that you don't normally play, styles you don't normally play, and make it your own. Yeah, right. That would certainly qualify for Tay Money. <laughs> she suggested the songs, the assignment, and Asthma Pump. If <laughs> Asthma Pump is <laughs> it it's the E rating, trust me. Okay. I would, <laughs> yeah. You should listen to it if you're not familiar with it already. I would like to see your filmed reaction to look mm-hmm. watching the video. It's anyway. <laughs> so here's some other songs that I thought might be good. Um uh The Feud by the Front Bottoms, which is one of my yeah. one of my favorite songs of theirs. Okay. Uh mm-hmm. You're So Bad by Tom Petty. Yeah. Yeah, that that definitely seems within reason for them. They've done on a on an album, hard to say, but they've done a lot of classic songs. Bigger known artists cover them live. They just seem to go more obscure when they cover. No, stuff no, right, right. This is just like what record, I right? would like to. Yeah, hear. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I want to sniff some glue by the Ramones. <laughs> that would be a fun tune definitely. to hear them sing, right? Oh yeah, okay. for sure. Are you For guys who have never done that? I'm I'm 100 percent sure that neither of them ever tried something that <laughs> stupid. They were too smart for that and too uh, bookish. Right. Too about that. Yeah. You got unless they were fixing like the spine on an old uh, book, you know, repairing <laughs> books to be like, oh man, getting a little dizzy. <laughs> uh, you got old man. Uh, I think it's Ludica um, or Ludeki. I can't remember how it's pronounced. He's a Canadian banjo player. He's got a song called mm. I Quit My Job and Roused About. Both those songs I really like. Mr. Gold and Mr. Mud by Towns Van Sant, which is a co- uh, song about mm. a card game. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's a fantastic song. Occasionally, I'll just play it when I'm just messing around with my guitar. I love it. Damn It by Blink-182, which I think everybody nah. remembers. <laughs> I guess this is growing up, which also has an F-bomb in it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Know It All. By Lagwagon, fantastic song. Oh man, that would be good, right? Yeah, that would be you know, because yeah, Know It All is about a radio DJ who's too cool. It's almost like the reverse of Hey Mr. DJ. I thought we had a deal. Um, or no, it's along the same lines, really, because because this DJ is like too cool for school. He's hip. He doesn't want. He doesn't think his friends' bands should make money. Basically, right? He's he's the, he cries sellout, right? And Lagwagon's like, God forbid a band makes some money. Right. They've never been a band to uh, like. They were fairly certain they were making a living off of it in uh, the nineties, at least. It's not really a full time thing anymore. But you know, they're 
must have gotten in a fight with this guy. He's like, fuck you for playing this big venue or a place that charges more than $5. I don't know. Um, that would be a funny song for them to cover as a band who worked their way up, got on an indie, got on Electra, was dropped from Electra, uh, and is now doing it pretty much DIY. I mean, it's, it's like punk rock aesthetics. Now they're doing it all the way they want to do it. That one... That would be rad, but I, it's, I'd be kind of surprised if either of them knew Lagwagon because the kind of punk that Flans listens to. I don't know how much he kept up with stuff after the '80s. He seems like kind of a purist punk, post-punk, maybe '80s hardcore kind of guy. Hard to say. No, it's a perfect song for a band with the DIY punk work ethic that they have. I mean, it's a perfect song. Mm-hmm. You know, you sold out in your music's cliche, or they sold out in your music. Their music's cliche. It's a great line. Yeah. You know, because talent's exclusive to bands without. Pay. Exactly. I mean, it's a, it's a great song. Um, great song. Then there, I don't know if you're familiar with Robert Earl Keen. He's got a song called "No Kind of Dancer," mm. uh, which is a fantastic song. Uh, you would like it. You would like that song. Good song. Uh, there's a band called uh, Sweet Sunny South that does some kind of. Uh, new grass style of music. There's a couple of songs by them called Lodis and I'm satisfied. Then there was, um, the guy who wrote uptown funk did a song for, I think it was, um, how can I forget her name? She's related to Dolly Parton. Um, related to Dolly Parton. Yeah. Um, Oh my God. It's too late at night. Anyway, she did a song called nothing. It's getting late. Yeah. Yeah. She did a song. You're talking about Mark Ronson. Yeah, yeah, he's the guy who wrote the okay. song, and the song's called Nothing Breaks Like a Heart, and I can't believe that mm. I'm spacing on who wrote that, uh, who performed it, but it's a it's a really good song. It's, it's Miley Cyrus, Miley man. Cyrus, yeah. Yeah, the Hannah Montana. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's a great song, and I think they could do a mm. good version of that. Can't Hardly Wait. What about that one? Sure, yeah. Solid. And then, if you want to go old school, completely out of left field, all right, follow me mm-hmm. on this. Excellent movie, black and white. One of the greatest theme songs of all time. One of the greatest movies of all time. The theme song from High Noon. Can't say I know it off the top of my head. Have I even seen that movie? Hmm. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. You want to get him to go country again? Oh, yeah. Is that what I'm hearing? One, (laughs) High Noon, fantastic movie. The High Noon theme song, which I think was by Tex Ritter, even better. Hmm. All right. Man, yeah, that that list goes all over the place. I like that, man. You thought about that. Do you count Bills, Bills, Bills being on phone power or or tub thumping? um, Or wait, Bills, Bills, Bills ended up. I'm mixing one of those up. One of those wasn't on phone power. Um, like for an album that's not so much of like a collection of stuff like or tacked on, like that was definitely tacked on to phone power. Um, they haven't put a cover on like a legit studio album since, God, I don't even know. It's been a long time. It's time. It's time. They should start it's, with yeah. Lagwagon. They should do a whole. <laughs> they might be Giants be does lag wagon, right? They could do uh, what was the song B side? That's a great song. Mm. Love mm-hmm. that song. Yeah, man. I uh, 
Yeah, I love Know It All. The one I, it's funny, the song from Trash that I get in my head the most is Stoking the Neighbors. I just love Derek Plord's drum intro. It's just so frantic and just amazing. And it's one of those songs that's like got that punk energy. And it's like a little bit goofy. It reminds me of like me and my friends' hijinks in high school. It just really strikes the nostalgia chord for me. But uh, anyway, I don't think there's that much overlap. And in, in, like people listening, they're like, I don't know. I've never heard Lagway. Well, if anybody. Uh, wrap it up, fellas. No, if anybody had an older <laughs> brother, that's what I identified with about <laughs> Lagwagon was the, the album. I think my older brother used to listen to Lagwagon because yeah. that was true. <laughs> you know, that's why I was familiar with it. <laughs> nice. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug, sir? You are a musician. Is there a place that people can find your music? Because you haven't directed me to any of it. Do not refer to me as a musician, sir. That is an insult to people <laughs> who can do. I object. Yeah, sustained. Um, <laughs> I, people who actually play music. No, I. So uh, this is going to be a weird overlap here, uh, but I actually host a podcast. Uh, centered on Duke football. It's called Duke Football Coverage, very creatively named. You can check out our website, bullcitycoordinators.com. And we have people on to talk about not just football, but we talk about a lot of things. There's an episode that we did recently with George Parks, who is an economist and who covers markets. And if you want to learn why gas prices have been so high, go listen to that interview. We spend- So how do you tie that into- to the to the theme is it kind of basically just like the tangents we get on here no so basically <laughs> what i do is i interview former players and george was a walk-on oh, okay george was a walk-on hmm. i've had a couple of former coaches on uh, george was a walk-on and he's into economics now and so i like to have people on and we talk about kind of whatever we want to talk about yeah. I, hmm. fans get caught up on what they're doing now what football players are doing now because a lot of times after college is over, you don't really see them anymore. And we have yeah. what I think we had a conversation with Charlie Gelman, who coaches with the Ravens now about analytics and how hmm. what analytics does in sports. We had a conversation uh, with a former player, Mike Ramsey, where we talked about education issues uh, that I thought was hmm. was very interesting. So there's a lot more that you can get into than just football, but. Our music is also there. Me and my buddy Tim, we're in a band, he put in air quotes. We refer to ourselves as one and done, which is a reference for basketball fans, college basketball fans Mm -hmm. you'll get. And we play old-time music, and there's, I think, three what we call jam sessions available on the podcast. So if you go to anywhere you get your podcast, check out Duke Football Coverage, you can... Check us out. Tell us what you think, and we'll try to uh, we'll see what we can do about a uh, about a they might be giants cover. See if I can convince Tim to yeah. do it. Tim is a super talented musician. He can play anything with strings on it. I mean, he can just he's taught me how to play the guitar, and he's a really great banjo player. Uh, but he can play the fiddle. He was marched in the fiddlers convention when Ralph Northam was uh, sworn in as governor here in the uh, Commonwealth of Virginia. And plays. I'd love to hear they might be giants cover with some fiddle. That'd be great. I'll talk to him. I'll talk to him about it. I don't know. He plays mandolin. He plays everything. We do sometimes. Uh, both of us play guitars. He's got a couple of uh, World War II era Martins that are or World Dang. War II era Gibsons. Excuse me, the Banner Gibsons okay. that are fantastic, mm-hmm. and I love playing them. 
Wow. So uh, we'll see what Sounds we can great. do. But check us out, Duke football cool. coverage. Uh, listen to our music. And you can find out why gas prices are so high. There you go. People can find This Might Be a Podcast at all the places. I don't know why I even say it anymore. You know, is, was this the first episode? Did someone decide that the Yeah Yeah episode was going to be the very first one they listened to? Just in case it is, go find us on social media, especially at This Might Be a Pod on Twitter. If you want to get in that mailbag segment, what do you think of Yeah Yeah? Which version do you like the best? Uh, what songs do you think they should cover? Two two four eight zero one two nine three zero, or email me this might be a pod at gmail. And if you want to be awesome and uh, sign up for Patreon, like uh, Ben here just did, uh, and support the show, it's Patreon.com/slash This Might Be a Podcast. And I believe that's it, Ben. That was a lot of fun. Uh, this episode is gonna be a fucking bitch to edit <laughs> for so many reasons. <laughs> Mostly you. No, I'm just <laughs> right. Well, I know you, you. It's long for one. You never go off. People on, like the content. Yeah, you never go off on tangents ever. So. so it's only my guests. Right, it's never me. I I will shoulder none of the blame. <laughs> well, if you bring me back, we'll, we'll try to we'll try to be shorter yeah, and more more focused. Whatever. Yeah. We'll play a melody and turn the lights down low so that no can see. We gotta do that. We gotta do that. We gotta It's hard to tell you because I'm trembling still. But pretty baby, I want you off on my own. I think I'm ready to leave those others alone. No need to ask me if everything is okay. I got my answer. The only thing I can say, I say yeah, yeah. That's what I say. I say yeah, yeah. That's what I say. I say yeah, yeah.